What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny Xcast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today, a little one-on-one -on -one show with a special treat as well that I'm going to tell you all about it. But first, Gary Witta, what the heck is going on? It's nice to see you today. It's nice to see you, even though we, we got to play some games together during the week. I, I, I feel like I've not been... Uh very present for the kind of funny content lately. I missed Xcast this past week. I missed uh, Games Daily last week. I'm missing it again next week because of all these, these scheduling things. I'll be completely honest with you, Mike, in terms of missing last week, which I really wanted to be on, you know, because you had Pete Hines and Aaron Greenberg, and it was, it was cool to have those, those guys on. I wanted to join you for that. But because, those, uh, because Pete was on the East Coast, remember he asked for the time to be brought forward a little bit to 12 p.m., that did unfortunately coincide with uh, England versus Scotland in the European Championships. You got you, you got to get your priorities right, Mike. You know, I, I had to make the right call, so I uh, I watched the uh, watched the game instead. wasn't really rewarded for my loyalty, to be honest. The, the game the game was very poor, but um, you know, once once every uh, couple of years, I gotta I gotta follow uh, my beloved England uh, into once more into the breach. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry I missed uh last week's show but uh we'll make up for it this week because it's just me and thee let's get into it let's get into it gary what are you had well, you missed out on some fun with uh those two and they were really great and guess what for all the listeners and viewers out there we're not done we have a really special one here at the back half of the episode i'm gonna sit down with our guy mr greg miller and we're gonna talk all things sea of thieves we actually invited on two of the sea of thieves team members joe neat executive producer and mike chapman creative director to talk all things A Pirate's Life, the brand new update coming to Sea of Thieves this week. Hopefully you've been playing it, and if you haven't played it, take this as your little push to say, hey, go check it out, because I'm going to tell you all about that during what games we've been playing and during this fun interview segment at the back half of the show. But before all that, it's just me and Gary, so we got to catch up. we got to talk some video games. So let's get through housekeeping, and let's get this show on the road of course this is the kind of funny x cast we post each and every saturday at 6 a.m west coast best coast time on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com and on podcast services around the globe if you haven't already do me a favor go on over to youtube.com slash kind of funny plays yeah that's right i'm throwing a different url at you that is where we put all of our vod live streams each and every week of course i host all of our daily gaming sessions in the afternoon after kind of funny games daily if you miss out on any of the fun that we have on stream with myself and the kind of funny crew we post all of those streams directly to that youtube channel youtube.com slash kind of funny plays go check out all the fun i'd like to take a moment and thank our patreon producers for the month donovan harkness omega 3 tyler ross delaney twinning julian the gluten-free gamer james hastings Casey Andrew, and Elliot. Of course, this week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by ExpressVPN and HVMN, but I'll tell you all about that a little bit later. Okay, well, let's jump into it, and I want to kick it off because I haven't seen you in over a week. I want to know what you've been playing because you and I, we teamed up on a stream. We played a game together, so why don't we start with that, and then I want to see what you've been playing on your off time, but we played Dungeons & Dragons dark alliance a new game coming together on game pass what are some of your initial thoughts well uh you know mike that actually originally just came from me wanting to kind of just play a game with you i just wanted to do some gaming with with uh with my buddy mike and it didn't always only didn't even really matter like what game it was it could have been four guys or whatever i just kind of missed like playing games with friends on stream and 
Dark Alliance dropped, and I don't know, it just kind of looked like it might be my kind of thing, you know, for someone who, you know, goes all the way back to Gauntlet, you know, the original classic kind of, you know, RPG action, four-player, you know, uh, uh, beat-em-up, uh, hack-and-slash, whatever you want to call it. I like that kind of stuff. And on paper, it looked pretty good. The trailers looked pretty good. D&D had a good pedigree. I don't know. I thought I'd give it a try. Co-op, that was the key. And on Game Pass, that's the other key, right? We've talked, How many times have we talked about it on this show? Game Pass is a great discovery engine. Um, Dark Alliance is 40 bucks at retail. As much as I was curious about it, I was not going to drop 40 bucks to, to see if it was my cup of tea. But again, the great thing about Game Pass is once you've already paid for that subscription, everything is kind of basically feels free to try right at least to try and so uh i said do you want to give it i didn't want to play it on my own i'd already read some very mixed reviews that said don't even bother playing it on your own if there's any fun to be had with this game it's playing co-op i think you and i both know even even a mediocre game can be fun in in the right company when you're playing with friends and that's kind of the experience that we had i think right you and i i remember saying to you like at the end someone in my chat because we were streaming it together said is this game any good i was like I don't know. Is it Mike? And you were like, no, like we, we, we weren't really feeling it. It, it was, it was frustrating. Mike. You tell me what your thoughts were, but like, I feel like all the ingredients were there for it to be a really fun game, but due to like a, a, a bunch of different issues that we all kind of highlighted as we were experiencing them on the stream, it, it, it just didn't quite come together into a really fun experience. Yeah. You're so right, Gary. It just was not a good time. And it was unfortunate because you brought up Gauntlet, right? I grew up with Gauntlet Legends. We talk about Diablo 2 and how near and dear that is to my heart. And we look at these fun, like, four-player hack-and-slash medieval setting video games. And I really thought that this was going to click for me and you and have some fun. And I think it came down to gameplay, Gary. You and I kind of talked about it while we were playing it. It's like, the game does look good. And the game trailers are really impressive in CGI and the story Cinematics were great. And building up, but... When it comes down to the gameplay, there was just something missing there, Gary. The essence of that hack-and-slash beat-em-up brawler just wasn't there. The characters felt a little slow on the movement side. The enemies were just really, really poorly put together. You would be fighting one, and seven other enemies in the background would just stare at you and cheer on in the background while you fought this enemy one-on-one. -on -one. And it was like, man, what is happening here? Why am I not getting mobbed by people? The cohesion between me and Gary is totally unneeded he can go one way i can go the other way yeah and it just felt like it was just missing that kind of essence of what makes those games fun and that's like the high octane action that's those enemies that just come at you wave after wave instead of just staring at you mindlessly and it really put a damper on our whole situation you and i and there's some good things that i took away from that as well that you know i want to highlight like when we did the levels right i felt like the level design was pretty cool there was branching paths that we could go on there was places to go explore and get lost with cool collectibles. But when it comes back to the enemies, these maps were pretty big. It took 15 to 20 minutes to complete a level, but there was only 40, 30 enemies on each map. And it felt like, man, this is a lot of wasted space, a lot of empty moments. And when we did have those fights, they just stood in a circle around us and didn't do anything. And it was like, man, this is unimpressive. This isn't fun. And that was a big one for me was the gameplay, Gary. Yeah, I just remember it was, I was complaining about one thing. I was constantly like, look at this, look at this. Why, you know, it's just like a litany of kind of laundry list of complaints, like live as we were experiencing them in the game. And it's, these are the kind of games that are frustrating because I don't think it's a terrible game. I just think it's kind of a missed opportunity. And those are the ones that really bug me the most. And like when a game's just bad, like you just, you just dismiss it and move on as quickly as possible and forget about it. But when a game, when, when you can kind of see the potential of a game to be good, 
like the pieces are there but it doesn't quite come together that's more frustrating right because like oh man this game could have been so close to being good but for me it came down to a handful of things like you said the the, the game looks great like in screenshots it looks great the aesthetic the, the visual design the production design the graphics of it all really cool looking environments the characters look good but the biggest issue i had mike and you heard me complain about it time and time again on the stream it just it, it was really framey it was slow it felt like play, your characters kind of felt like they were waiting through molasses like to, if someone starts attacking me from behind to turn around it kind of feels like this really slow sludgy kind of process and it wasn't smooth there's no way that game was was hitting more than like 30 frames a second and maybe i was a little bit spoiled because they just got done playing ratchet and clank on playstation 5 in 60 frames per second ray tracing mode which is absolutely runs like butter no reason the series x can't do that as well we've seen a million times that the two systems are you know mainly you know largely similar in terms of you know graphical performance but that's the difference between you know a triple a you know one of the best developers in the world like insomniac and you know a, a, a team you know the, the the team that did dark alliance where you can just tell they didn't it wasn't optimized it didn't feel like a next gen game i felt like i could i could have been playing a, an xbox one game in terms of the performance and we've come to expect better at this point right you know we've there, there's enough 60 frames per second you know 4k games out there on series x and on playstation 5 now we're in the next generation now we know it and so we feel like games that feel like they're still kind of running to catch up or might feel like a holdover from the previous generation in terms of performance just not good enough anymore so there was that and then you know, we got disconnected after every single scrim of this every single round we got disconnected what's that about like we're supposed to be past all this kind of like basic netcode kind of stuff and like and you touched on it as well some like real issues with ai programming like i'm wailing on this orc over here and his buddy is standing three feet away like minding his own business like why haven't i pulled this guy like where's the ai so there was there was a big long laundry list of of, of complaints with it um and it was a real it was a I, I really don't like kind of being too negative for too long like i'd rather talk yeah. about things that i like but we did happen to play this it's a game that's been in the news the past couple of weeks because it's got the dnd license there was some extra expectation behind it but it's from looking at the reviews it sounds like it landed with a thud i saw the bad reviews and I, 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 don't, I don't care me and mike are going to get some fun out of this anyway and we did right again you and i could be playing the most boring game but we'd still find a way to have fun doing it but the, that was the frustrating thing is like the game was close to being like a real banger in terms of that wading through enemies almost kind of like a dynasty you know wars kind of feel just like flailing through the bad guys hacking and slashing picking like this it's such a simple formula pick up the loot you know get the loot armor yourself up go back in kill some more bad guys like we love that kind of loot grind you know when, when it's done well that could be really fun and this game came close to getting it uh but a handful of technical and and, and weird you know other issues with it like it was just an exercise in frustration i uninstalled it right after we were done and again no harm done right i, I, I wasted a couple of hours because it wasn't as fun as i wanted it to be but at least again this is again the magic of a game pass even when it's a bad game you're not ruining the 40 bucks that you spent or wondering if you can take it back to the store or get a refund on your digital purchase because again no harm no foul in terms of the money that you spend on it but you know this is one of the things about game pass it's nice to have all these games not everyone's going to be a banger and so when you discover something that you might not have tried that you might not have thought to try and it was great that's great as well but game pass is also kind of a nice safety net for the bad games that show up on there because at least you didn't waste the money if the game doesn't work out for you Totally true, Gary. And I want to circle back to something you just said after this, but like it had the makings of something that was going to be fun, Gary, is right. You touched on it a couple of times there. It was like, it was just kind of missing that piece, right? It has four kind of unique character classes there. Each one was going to have, you know, a skill tree. It was going to have attributes. It was going to have its own loot. 
And it all seemed like it was going to click for us on this kind of loot grind and playing through this campaign. And I was really excited for that. And I clicked on the Ranger, the Archer, on the first go-ahead. And I looked at you halfway through the level and I said, this doesn't feel good at all, Gary. The shooting, the Yeah, you changed your character right away, right? Yeah, just totally felt off. And it's one of those, like, I really usually gravitate to those Archers and Ranger classes. And I started shooting that bow and it just felt off from the moment. And I was like, you know what? I have to say I have to shift gears. I have to change out. And that next level, I had to turn that off, which was really too bad. And I think the gameplay elevated when I did pick that dual wielding sword, uh, rogue, the rogue, yeah. but it still didn't feel good connecting with, uh, connecting with the AI battling through that. It's funny. You uninstalled. I actually went back the next morning and I played one whole campaign by myself, which is essentially three missions. Took me about an hour and it was just one of those where it's like, maybe I can just turn my mind off and hack and slash away. And it was one of those games where I could do that, but it didn't feel rewarding. It didn't feel fun, right? I was running through these levels and there was just nothing around me. It was empty for 30 seconds, a minute, and certain times when I'm like, man, this would be fun if I was attacking things or if it had better combat and it really stunk even by myself. And yeah, I remember, remember when we would get stuck in the levels, Mike, like we weren't sure what, there was like multiple waypoint things telling us where to go off in different directions. Yes. And we mm -hmm. kept backtracking. It's like, where the hell are we supposed to be going? Like basic stuff like that. that just kind of felt like it wasn't from, from both from a de design and a sta technical standpoint, it's just not at a high enough level compared to other stuff that's out there. And again, it's a shame because D and D, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that want to dive into, you know, the D and D universe, dark Alliance is a thing all of its own. And so the, the, the again, the ingredients were there, right. But you still got to know how to cook them. You can put like, you know, gourmet ingredients in front of me, but if I'm not a gourmet chef, I'm not, I'm probably not going to make a gourmet meal. And I kind of feel like that's, they had all the right pieces. You know, we, we know from like, the funny thing is we, we spent most of the time talking about how much we're looking forward to playing Diablo two resurrected. Cause like maybe this <laughs> because that game's more likely to kind of deliver the feel that we want. Right. You know, multiple players running around a dungeon, carving up enemies like that kind of stuff is really, really fun. And it seems like it's not that difficult to get it right but apparently it is because we, we do see examples of, of failures in this genre dark alliance i think being the the most recent one um it's there on game pass if you're really really hardcore into DD, maybe you'll find uh something to uh to uh amuse you but I, I i will echo what a lot of the reviews said which is don't even bother just playing it by yourself if there's any if there's any fun to be had with it it's the fun of of experiencing and complaining about all the weird things that the game does yes with uh, with other friends but yeah you know, it wasn't it wasn't something that i felt like i wanted to go maybe with four players you know with four of you playing there might be something to it but just again like when we there wasn't a single time where we didn't get disconnected after a, after a round and that, that kind of stuff gets old really quickly. Back in the old days of like 360, when we were still trying to figure out, you know, how to do matchmaking and net code and stuff like that. I, I expected it back then because, you know, the ecosystem wasn't that, you know, mature. But now, basic stuff like just keeping me connected from one round to another, so you don't have to keep like reinviting me back into your game. We're past that. And it's no like, I imagine there'll be some patches that will figure, figure this out. This is why I often say don't play games right when they come out. Wait for a couple of patches to stabilize it because so many games ship these days not quite ready. You know, they, 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 take these, they take these things out of the oven not when they're fully cooked, but when they have to be ready on time. And sometimes these things only get addressed in a few patches after the fact. Maybe a few patches will fix it, but, you know, our, our initial kind of day one experience with it was not great. No, that's a, a skippable game on Game Pass, so... Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to get down, like you said, Gary. So let's turn it all around and let's get up. So 
don't you tell me something else you've been playing? Because I have one more that, in the chamber that I'm excited to talk about. So we went so we went back to the well a little bit. My kid, uh, who's home from school right now over the summer, is always looking for things to play with her mom and dad. You know, anything three-player is um is is uh, a hit in our house we went we went back to the well again i don't know how many times i've mentioned it on this podcast we went back to tetris effect connected we've been playing some tetris there is a great mode on there where three of you get to play collaboratively against uh increasingly more difficult ai opponents and you and, and it's a single ai but they're but they're playing against you the three of you working together as a team and i i always have a lot of fun doing that so we played some connected um i just got the platinum on ratchet and clank on ps5 finished that uh we've since moved on to my wife's working her way through miles morales right now um playing watching those two games back to back once again cements my my increasingly firm opinion that insomniac games is the best developer of video games in the western world i think that's i i, I show me a better one they're so so good at what they do every single game they do is like a master class uh and then trying to think what else a couple of other things um unpacking which is a game that's coming out on pc and i believe nintendo switch uh later this year just a very very cute little puzzle game that really is as mundane as take objects out of cardboard boxes you basically you've moved into a new home or a new dorm room at college or whatever and you just have to unpack everything and put everything where it belongs if you've got that little ocd itch if you're the kind of person that likes to kind of line up your books on the bookcase so you know they're all they're all nice and neat and everything's squared away and in its place so that's very much me i don't like clutter i like things to be nice and neat and tidy and orderly this game's going to scratch that itch for you very much looking forward to uh the full release my kid was playing it she played the three levels and it said thanks for playing the demo come back you know later this year and my kid got really angry at me she's like why didn't you tell me this was only a demo because she really really liked it and wanted to play more um and then just today finally got started in uh mario golf of course the big story in video games today greg miller getting his ass handed to him by the nitro rifle andy cortez mike you were there right what was that like being there for the downfall of greg miller because he oh talked my. a big game coming into that match right you know in the front nine he stayed close he was down by two strokes heading into the back nine and you could tell as we hit the halfway point that something wasn't right with greg he just wasn't in it and as we started to hit hole 15 and 16, that lead grew to about four plus strokes. And it was just over for him. And he did a good job at not chirping at all until the very end. But man, he shut big mouth Greg Miller up. And it was very awesome to watch. I, you know, I love Greg and he likes to talk a big game because, you know, he loves these kind of games where everybody's golf. He's on Hot Shots Golf and the, the ones that are on the PlayStation. Very, very popular. I know he's enjoyed Mario Golf over the years as well. But like just watching him on social media and on Kind of Funny after the last week or two, he really did like put a bit of a noose around his neck in terms of like he was just running his mouth constantly about how he was going to wipe the floor with everyone and you know this is this is where it gets you i just saw him on the stream uh, right before the podcast he doesn't look happy he looks like a beaten man frankly mike he looks he looks like a picture of defeat he is the picture of defeat and we'll see what happens to him as we return to mario golf i'm sure because uh there will definitely be a rematch in the near couple of days i'm sure so so speaking of i need to get you hooked. Like, you and i need to get hooked up let's get a foursome in mario golf going and then the other thing we've neglected to mention and i know this is something we're talking about on the show this week after we got bored of dark alliance we decided to move on to sea of thieves we got greg miller into the mix i wasn't able to I, i've said how many times have i said on the podcast i really want to get to it i do want to play i know a lot of people are talking about it I finally bit the bullet, got it installed, and then had a weird technical issue with my capture card, which I've since resolved, but I wasn't able to join you for that initial 
um, foray into all the new Jack Sparrow content, but we'll get it going. I know you, me, Paris, and Greg are talking about putting a four-player four crew together, but I was really bummed out because I was, I was really excited to finally kind of get my teeth into Sea of Thieves and just had a couple of technical issues, but, I mean, it does look like a lot of fun. Well, I really appreciate you segueing us into Sea of Thieves because that is the game I want to talk about and really spread the good word about. This game really is something special. And with this latest content update, the big one that dropped on June 22nd, A Pirate's Life, the crossover with Pirates of the Caribbean. Gary, this has been an absolute blast to return to this game. And I'm one of those guys who was there day one, got burnt out on what the content was, some of the downtime that was spent in between going to different islands, collecting the chests and the treasures and bringing them back. And I've gone back ever so rarely when they announced arenas, when they brought back pets. And now to this week where I've come back in full force and I played through all five tall tales, which is essentially the original story that they told with this crossover event of Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow and Davy Jones joining the Sea of Thieves world and I'm I'm wowed by it, Gary. I'm in awe, and I had so much fun enjoying this incredible tale, this story that they created, and what they added to the world. There's just so much there, and it's wild to think about. You'll hear in this interview on the second half of this podcast of what this team created during COVID, right? They started full development in March last year, so they created this over that 15-month period all kind of working from home and they created something really, really special here that made it really fun to play. It's a totally free update. There's no charge up front whatsoever. And you can jump in and experience these five handcrafted tales that take anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. These are meaty experiences, Gary, that have the whimsical feel of being on the Sea of Thieves or Pirates of the Caribbean ride or watching the movies. And it's like this really cool mix of Sea of Thieves, Pirates of the Caribbean, gameplay, but also feeling like you're at some sort of crazy dinner show. I'm from Colorado, so it feels like Casa Bonita and that dinner show. And it was like one of those where you're looking to the left, you're looking to the right, you're trying to find Jack Sparrow and all the action, and you're just kind of lost in the whimsical nature. And it is a ton of fun. You can do it solo or you can do it with friends. I think that was the biggest one for me with Sea of Thieves as well was getting together with Greg, who had never played Sea of Thieves, was kind of on the fence after hearing all of that talk over the past three years, playing it with him, who's a newcomer, me being in the middle of the road, and then last night finishing out the fourth and fifth tall tale with my good friend Miles from Windows Central, who was a diehard Sea of Thieves player. He knows the game in and out, and is just so impressed by what they created, and it was so much fun, the breadth of what they put into this, of there's the solo instances where you're not in that shared world, there's missions where you're in that shared world and you can see the entire world and all the people coming together in different areas of the map and trying to do these missions. And it was really, really good, Gary. I'm so impressed. I want to encourage everybody over this week and the next week, go check it out. Give it a try, whether you be solo or with friends. This is well worth your time. The team over at Rare, they created something really special and it is a total blast. And I will say this. Tall Tale number two is definitely bugged up. It took me four and a half hours, Gary, four different oh, tries to complete this mission because it's in the shared world. So if you show up and people are already there, they might've bugged out the situation that you need to do during that puzzle. And so it took me a long time. It took my friend Miles about five hours to complete that mission as well. 
And I did talk with the team after our interview. They said a hot fix is coming through right away. They're working hard to fix that. But if you can wait till that update and you can go out there and sail the seven seas with your friends, you're going to absolutely love A Pirate's Life because they did a phenomenal job of what they added. That, by the way, is my least favorite kind of bug in a game. And I see it all the time. I saw it with Borderlands 3. I think Cyberpunk was plagued by this kind of bug. Sounds like a similar thing here where you complete a mission, but the game won't register it. It's like you've done everything you need to do, but like it just won't click. You know, where the game won't like flip the switch that acknowledges you've done it and let you move to the next thing or whatever, or give you the reward or the trophy won't pop or whatever it might be. The achievement, you don't get it. It's really, really, it sounds like they've still got a few things to um, to patch. I wanted to ask you though, because I'm on a similar trajectory as Greg, like we were both newbies. That Because I, I, I had to bail because I couldn't get the game working. But when you played with Greg the other night, was he able to to pick it up and get into it pretty quickly? Yeah, it was really impressive to see Greg gravitate and learn the mechanics so fast. They actually have a really cool tutorial, Gary, that they've now put into the game for I gotta new do players. That. that takes about 10 to 20 minutes. It's not long at all. But Greg actually came out of that along with my friend Washburn. And they both looked at me and they said, wow, I really finally understand what this game's mechanics are and what it wants me to do. I felt the first time I jumped in here, I was just kind of thrown to the wind. I had no idea. They played the tutorial and they felt like they knew what they were supposed to do. They knew the guiding light and all the principles of this sandbox. And so that's really big positive. I would encourage you to check out the tutorial and go play that. It only takes 10 to 20 minutes. And then yeah, so that's what I'm going to do because next time we play, I don't want to hold you guys up while I'm like doing the basic stuff. I'm going to go play. I'll do the tutorial like solo offline just so I know. Uh, and then maybe we can play again soon because I just got, I literally got breaking news for you on the podcast as we speak. I just got a text from Greg Miller who apparently has um, you know, emerged from his pit his pit of uh, self-pity and despair that he's been in since Andy put him there earlier today on the 18th hole uh, says he's very keen to uh, get out on the high seas uh, with us this weekend. So uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get that going. I would love that. I would definitely want to do it again. And I think some of these set pieces that you're going to see, Gary, are really going to wow you, right? I know you're kind of a new player coming in, but for veteran players, right, you're going to see things you've never seen before. You're going to go to the deepest depths of this ocean that you've never been to. And you're going to see these cool set pieces, these worlds that they've created. And you're going to be in awe. I mean, goosebumps type situations when you swim down to the deepest depths and see this new area. You see the reveal of the Black Pearl. You get to hang around with Jack Sparrow throughout the Tall Tales. It's a ton of fun and definitely want to make sure we send a whole lot of love, a lot of energy towards that team over at Rare for what they created because this update is really, really cool and it's well worth your time. So. When we talked about what we've been playing, I wanted to make sure we touch on that. But there'll be plenty more Sea of Thieves talk at the back half of the episode. Myself and Greg Miller sit down with Joe and Mike from the Sea of Thieves team to talk about the release, everything that went into it, all the behind-the-scenes stuff that you want to know about because it's a ton of fun. But with that, Gary, let's jump into the latest Xbox news of the week. So we're going to play a fun one. Me and Pears played one last week, uh, hit the brakes to keep it moving. I'm going to actually let you choose the first story that we talk about. So I'll give you three and you tell me oh, I like what it. interests All right. you the most. So up first, new designed for Xbox monitors. Number two will be Phil Spencer on a possible return of an Xbox fan favorite, Killer Instinct. Or number three, Phil Spencer once again shed some light on the Halo Infinite release window. Let's go with the monitors because that's that's interesting. I've been in the monitor market recently. That could be of interest to me. Let's go there first. 
Let's talk about it, Gary. So right now over on the Xbox Wire, you can check out the full briefing on that blog post. But Xbox has announced the designed for Xbox product line is adding three monitors designed to elevate your gaming experience in the Xbox ecosystem. This coming directly from the Xbox Wire. Few devices in gaming are as important as your display. And we know with a new console generation comes unparalleled fidelity in your gaming experiences. With the amazing visual capabilities of the Xbox Series X and S and new display features to consider like HDR, 4K at 120Hz, and variable refresh rate, VRR, we want to help Xbox fans find the ideal monitor for your preferred gaming experience. Today, for the first time, we're announcing gaming monitors from our licensed partners will join the Design for Xbox program. We worked close, closely with leading display manufacturers, Philips, Asus and Acer over the last two years to prepare these products to take full advantage of the Xbox Series consoles and HDMI 2.1. Well, Gary, let me give you the rundown. Number one, you have the Philips Momentum Display. For console gaming enthusiasts, the new design for Xbox Philips Momentum Display is what players expect from a high-fidelity monitors in the new era of gaming. At 55 inches, this monitor is a display and soundbar sound in one. The Philips Momentum supports 4K resolution at 120 hertz, powered by AMD FreeSync Premium Pro technology to reduce screen tearing. Number two, our friends at the Republic of Gamers have been hard at work on a new monitor for Xbox fans. The Asus ROG Strix Xbox Edition comes in a 43 inches, delivering 4K UHD visuals and one millisecond of moving picture response time, MPRT, for super fast gaming on a big screen. And number three, the 28 inch Acer Xbox Edition gaming monitor supports 4K at 120 and HDMI 2.1, pushing the next generation gameplay to its limits on the Xbox Series consoles. It has a low one millisecond response time and ensures high color accuracy with Visa Display HDR 400, providing great contrast between dark and light shades. So Gary, three, monitors coming into this product line you're in the market for a new gaming monitor what do you think about xbox you know kind of helping out the xbox fans and making it maybe an easier decision than being overwhelmed by the choice that we have in the gaming world i think what's what's been interesting with this new generation of console hardware in general this is true on the playstation side as well but let's just stick with xbox for right now series x uh right there on the box and you know they made a lot of noises about this 4k 120 frames per second, 120 hertz, HDR, Dolby Vision, all this amazing stuff. The reality is that's actually on a cutting edge beyond even where the majority of the television market is right now, right? If you, you have to, it's nice to have the hardware that can output it, but unless you've got a display that can also render and show it at that highest level, you're not going to get uh, a lot of the, 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 be the best of it. A lot of people that have, I would imagine the vast majority of people have a Series X at home right now are not getting the um the the best possible performance that it can deliver because it's be, it's being bottlenecked by the display that they have you know hdmi 2.1 the ability for it for it for a 4k tv to also render at 120 hertz very very few tvs right now can do that you know the those are the tvs that are at the very kind of top you know top end kind of like you're like you're you're your, your basic kind of visio tv or whatever is probably not going to do it you need like a really kind of high-end lg or samsung or one of these one of these tvs and you got to make sure you have the right cables and it was going to be set up just the right way 
Um, and then there's the monitor market, which is a whole different thing. You know, a lot of people play their Xbox games. I would say most people play their Xbox games on their, you know, HD TV or their 4K TV in their living room or wherever it might be. But a lot of people might like us, especially people that are in the streaming game, are playing it on a monitor. And actually, one of the things I learned from Sea of Thieves is that it's often difficult to get a game running from an Xbox onto your PC monitor in a way that, again, fully does justice to what the Xbox, you know, is capable of outputting. A lot of gaming monitors, for example, don't do HDR or don't do Dolby Vision or they're not 4K. This isn't a 4K monitor. This is a 2K monitor. You know, 4K monitors are, again, at the very, very high end of the market. So, you know, the, the, the people that are actually kind of that have a Series X and are really getting the best out of it in terms of what their eyeballs are actually looking at coming out of their display that's that's a I think that's a very very slim percentage of of gamers overall because you've got to have the cutting edge display to match with the cutting edge hardware. That's obviously going to change, you know, over the years ahead as more people upgrade their TVs and you know the 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 the, the 4K Dolby Vision HDR 120 Hertz HDMI 2.1 all that stuff becomes more mainstream. Right now it's still at the top end of the market, but it's really really interesting for people like us or for anyone who just happens to have their Xbox set up to play on their on their computer monitor. Most, like I said, most monitors don't do 4K or HDR or the things that Xbox can can output. So to have Xbox now working with the likes of ASUS and Acer and the you know I've I've got I've, I, literally the two monitors I've got on my on my setup right here. This is an ASUS and this is an Acer, uh, and neither of them do 4K. Neither of them do HDR. They're both very good monitors, but I'm I'm fully aware that when I play an Xbox game on this screen uh oftentimes when i have to think about do i want to stream an xbox game sometimes what what goes into my calculus is i, I it'll be fun to play it with an audience but i don't want to play it on this monitor because i've got a way better tv upstairs that will do 4k that will do 120 hertz that will do dolby vision i want to get the best experience on my tv so i think if what if what we're seeing here is the beginning of a move towards dedicated you know computer monitors gaming monitors catching up to what the the top end TVs can do in terms of really doing justice to what the Series X is outputting all of those frame rates all of those hertz all of, all of that resolution then you know that that's a great thing and I welcome it and I'm definitely in the market for something like that because I think it would probably encourage me and other streamers to stream more games on their Xbox because they wouldn't feel like they're giving up you know anything in return for playing it on a computer monitor in you know, as opposed to you know kind of big screen TV. The sizes are really interesting as well. 28 inches. This one here on my desk is 27. So 28 is kind of right in that sweet spot. 43 inches really caught my eye because that's kind of an interesting, like for a TV, that would be considered kind of small, right? On your, yeah. on your wall. You usually think like 55 or bigger if you really want to kind of like have a blowout experience. But on a de but on a desktop as a computer monitor, 43 inches would be, because you know, you're only sitting this far away from it. That would be massive. So, I mean, I can imagine actually like that 43-inch monitor you're talking about with the 4K, with the 120 hertz, with the HDR, and it's on your desk and you're like, you know, two feet away from it. That could look fantastic. So I'm actually really interested in that. Yeah, Gary, I, I'm actually, this story is so crazy because it's so near and dear to my heart. It's funny. Every single night I have the same conversations with my friends in the Discord of, hey guys, I have this awesome 4K TV but it only does 60 frames. And we've been playing a lot of Warzone, a lot of first person shooters. I have the Xbox, I have the big boy PC, and I want to get that 120. I want to see that. I want to feel that, right? And every single time we loop back to the same conversation. Well, Mike, we're like just at the point where 
you know, these monitors and TVs are finally hitting 4K 120 and they're very expensive, right, Mike? Maybe you need to look at the 1440p 120 or above. That's more your price range. That's more where you should be. And every single night I fight back of like, well, this is what the next generation is going to be. This is what's going to the future is going to be. Why would I buy this when I can future-proof myself and be prepared? And it's funny, I am the least tech person out of my family and out of my friend group that I'm always overwhelmed by the choice and by all of the numbers and the stats and everything you see on the different websites. And I actually really love that Xbox is saying, hey, we'll lend a hand, we'll help you out here. We'll put the sticker on the box and we'll say, these are designed for this. We've worked with these different manufacturers to make it easy for you, the consumer, who might not be really big into tech, but you want the best out of this, we'll help you and we'll point you in the right direction. And that's what I think I need as a gamer, right? I'm one of those guys who would love a little point, point in the right direction. This is what you should be looking at. Even if I don't make that choice, at least I looked at them and I knew what those kind of options were before I get lost in the best buys and the new eggs and everything in between on those different websites where I just feel overwhelmed, Gary. And it's really fun that Xbox put this blog post out because I've been dealing with this for the past like six months, me and my friends talking about it. It's, re it's really, really confusing. And I think that for, for many people who, I, I think 90% of, of gamers, and by gamer, I mean anyone who's got a PlayStation or an Xbox or a Switch or whatever PC in their house, don't really know or care about these kind of high-end distinctions. I, I remember when uh, my brother-in-law first got an Xbox 360, he'd be, he was happy with it like for ages. And when I finally went over to his house, I think like we visited for the holidays, he didn't even realize that he was that he wasn't even playing at 720p. He was playing; he'd been playing at 480p all this time. I flipped one switch on the back of the Xbox. He was like, "Oh wow, what did you do?" I was like, "I, I, you know, I, I flipped a switch," but like, he didn't even realize that he wasn't getting the best out of the console. And I think most people don't know the difference. The problem is for people like you and me who really do want to have that best possible experience. Who you end up reading all these articles about? Well, does my TV do HDMI 2.1 and? Does it do the 120 frames and some do and some, and oftentimes there's no simple answer. And there's so much information out there on the tech blogs and the forums and uh, on websites kind of telling you like, what, what's the best TV for gaming? But you got to know there's this caveat and that caveat. You got to make sure you have this kind of cable and your TV's got to be calibrated a certain way. And like, if you really want to have that cutting edge experience where you know you're getting 4K, 120 Hertz and the whole thing, you really do have to do a lot of research and jump through a lot of, a lot of rabbit holes. I'm still, figuring it out and this is like a real you know like a, a lifelong hobby for me uh so anything they can do to kind of make that easier i think will help again it's really really nice that some of the things that we typically associate even like i said hdr at this point is pretty basic on a lot of tvs right even again even like a, a cheap tv you would get from walmart or whatever will probably do some form of hdr this monitor doesn't and hdr is it has been slow to kind of reach the monitor market some of the newer ones will do it uh, but again these monitors are a few years old so i'm fully aware like, for example, when I play an Xbox game on this monitor, it just looks a little bit washed out compared to when I play on the TV upstairs where the colors are much more vibrant. And that's just the, that's the, that's just the way that the display is rendering the, the color space and, and throttling it a, a, a little bit. And so I think if we can get uh, gaming monitors to the point where they're matching, you know, the high-end, you know, gaming TVs... Uh, for you know, uh, uh, delivering these kind of graphics on console, all the better. The other thing to remember, of course, is this promise of 4K 120 hertz. It's not like every game is going to look that much better once you've got all the right cables plugged in. They still have to deliver that performance in the game. And the list of games that are actually running at 4K 
and 120 frames per second on either Xbox or PlayStation, I think you can still count on the fingers of one hand. Again, even like a real technological showcase like Ratchet and Clank on PlayStation 5 is still making you choose between you know, 4K fidelity and 60. You know, you can't have 4K. You don't even have 4K 60 on Ratchet and Clank. You can have, you know, 4K 30 plus or whatever, or you can have... Uh, you know, 2K 60, and it's constantly kind of modulating the resolution and the frame rate to kind of give you a stable experience. But that, but that, but that idea that that, and they make it such a big deal on both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series Xbox is 4K 120. Like that's going to be the base experience. The reality is that's like the pinnacle experience that maybe you will have if you have exactly the right TV, which is very expensive, way more expensive than the Xbox was, and the right cables. And you've set it up exactly right because you've read 50 different websites and you're playing one of the handful of games that can actually do it. Then, my friend, you're on the top of the mountaintop and you're breathing that very, very rarefied air and having a true, true, you know, pinnacle gaming experience. But the idea that that's just the world we're all inhabiting whenever we play a game right now, that's a fiction. That's probably a whole other generation away before, you know, every game we play is rendering at 4K 120. Right now, it's a very, very, very thin sliver of games that are delivering those, that performance for a very, very thin sliver of gamers who have invested the time and the money into making sure they have the best possible setup. And again, these monitors, I think, will get will at least solve part of that problem by you know just widening the, the array of displays out there that will make it possible to kind of get the best possible picture. Something awesome to check out for all you gamers out there looking like they're going to be releasing late summer into fall and holiday season. You can go check out the Xbox Wire for the full blog post pricing info on all three of these monitors that will be in that design for Xbox product line. Gary, up next, let's play another one. You get to choose the next story. So here's another right. three that I'll hit you with. We have xCloud and Series X server blades possibly out there in the wild that people are playing on. We have Space Jam the game and these awesome controllers sent out to cool influencers like you. And there's a new Xbox game case coming your way very, very soon. I just want to be clear. We are going to get to all these stories, right? It's just a question of no. We're not going to get order. to many of these stories. No, no. We're just we're. Oh, okay. So some of these are going to get eliminated. Oh, some of these are getting cut, Gary. All right. Let's okay. Let's do the controllers then, because I did. I did make the effort to bring the. I gathered up all my controllers and I brought them down onto my desk to do a little show and tell. So let's talk about the special edition controllers. Gary, bust out those special edition Space Jam: A New Legacy, the game controllers, because today Xbox and Digital Escape announced the aptly named Space Jam, A New Legacy, The Game, coming exclusively to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Perk uh, as an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Perk beginning on July 1st, before releasing on Microsoft Store as a free-to-play title on the 15th, coming from IGN and Rebecca Valentine. She's got a cool little write-up here talking about the game and the controllers, but of course, A New Legacy, The Game is an arcade-style beat-em-up featuring the cast of the film, the result of a call from the X from Xbox last December for fans to submit their ideas for a Space Jam game and picking two winner concepts from Ricky in the U.S. and I'm going to mispronounce this one Narina in India. Digital Escape Digital Eclipse has been making games since the 90s and most recently has been responsible for a number of arcade style revivals like the Disney Afternoon Cl Collection. Blizzard Arcade Collection, and Street Fighter 30th Anniversary. So, Gary, we saw the call to action. We see two winners selected. We see that Digital Eclipse is building the game out with those two, but we get to celebrate the upcoming movie and that big release, but you 
have the controllers in your hand. You got the special care package along with Paris. Tell me all about it. I did not expect them to send all three controllers. When the box came, it was like, what the hell is this? They sent like a giant box and it has like a LeBron James action figure. In it. And as you said, they did three different um, uh, uh, designs for this. And I'll show them in no particular order. Uh, I guess this would be considered kind of the main one. You know, this is kind of the classic, yes, the you know, Toon Squad. Squad. You know, this yeah, is the kind of the color it. of the basketball outfits that they wear. Blue and orange is kind of a nice... Uh, color scheme you see there almost this almost reminds me of like nintendo switch on the back you know with the blue and the orange sides uh but this is kind of a cool you know this these are colors that always go well together um and again i, I guess if you want to play the bad guys oh who does the goon the goon squad, squad right here squad. my daughter already claimed this one because she loved pink and purple are her two favorite colors so yes. she's going to be on the goon squad again black and purple always a good uh color combination and then this one which is a bit more i guess kind of abstracted but i guess in the movie there's a whole thing where they kind of go inside like a virtual cyber type world is part of the plot line and so i think this one kind of reflects that element this one kind of has like a very almost like an internal kind of technical schematic uh kind of vibe and again you've got this is kind of like cyan and black is kind of a a trendy combo as well so they sent me all three and mike i want to have a whole separate conversation with you about this starting to get me down the beginning of a rabbit hole of collecting controllers because once you start to get a few of these limited edition controllers you think man i have the beginnings of a of a cool collection here i don't, really don't need more than three controllers in my life and there's three of us here in the house that play video games i think i've got about 12 series x controllers now because for whatever reason and i don't know why this doesn't apply on the dual sense side like they never do this with sony controllers as far as i can tell but companies now really like to send out uh control like special like controllers that are skinned with whatever it is mm -hmm. they're promoting you know we all saw the uh the out the outriders one recently uh with the you know, with the dwayne johnson zoa thing i've got like a weird like uh, butterfinger you know yellow peanut butter type controller here as well and so you know this is the beginning if you want to i can i totally understand i was watching a video the other day about somebody who's really into collecting like xbox one controllers and has like a really amazing collection of all these special edition and custom designs i'm starting to see that i've never really been a collector but i'm starting to see the appeal i've got i've got way too many controllers my wife's was trying to get a bit worried about me like where are they all going to go but i've got the beginnings of a good collection here and then finally before we go back to you because i missed last week's show or whenever whichever one it was when they unveiled the design lab this is the design lab controller that i managed to make for myself this is actually my favorite Control. This is my my prime controller, the one that's mapped to me. Like when I when I log in with this controller, it goes straight to my profile. This these are the colours of my my beloved football team back in London, Tottenham Hotspur FC. They typically play in white, navy blue with a little bit of yellow. And again, this is the great beauty of the design lab, right? I mean, there's I don't know how many mathematical combinations are possible. I imagine it's in the billions, right? It's got to be. Uh, but you really can make anything that you want, and I've seen some really interesting custom designs. I can, I can again see myself going down a rabbit hole of like doing weights, like ordering way too many different designs. Again, my daughter's already got a pink and purple one that she wants to do. This aesthetic really, really speaks to me. Um, but yeah, the space, the space jam controllers are fun. I, I love this whole uh, thing of, of special. And then a lot of the ones that we've been getting, Mike, are really just they send us to us because uh, we're influencers, whatever you want to call it. We're in the media. We cover this kind of stuff, but they're not made available to the general public. As you mentioned, these ones actually are going on sale. So if you are looking to make a collection of kind of weird and wacky controllers, all three of these, I believe, are now available, I think, like at Amazon and maybe directly from Microsoft. I'm not sure, but you can get these. Oh, that's really cool. I'll have to look for the Goon Squad one because I like that. I also noticed you got the LeBron James toy action figure, which I thought was super cute. And I loved that Bugs Bunny Xbox Game Pass card in like the oh, PSA yeah. 
grading booklet. I loved seeing that. They make so they that... make it look like a, like a collectible sports card. Yeah, and yeah. they put it in like a little plastic uh, case as well. But on the back, there's like a nice little code for a year of Game Pass Ultimate. Oh, I think I'm going to give that away to someone at some point on my stream, maybe. But yeah, they, it's a great uh, package. I don't do too much. I, the, the people at Digital Eclipse, a lot of them are friends of mine, and they do, and they do a lot of these uh kind of licensed tie-in games i'm interested to see what that game is look like what that game actually looked like especially since if you remember they kind of crowdsourced the design of that game they had kind of an open competition for people to submit their ideas for a space jam game and uh it will be interesting to see like how much of that ended up in the in the finished product of the game that they're going to put out there soon really really cool gary and uh nice to see that and of course Really cool to celebrate another Space Jam. Pretty wild to think about that. We're going to get a second Space Jam with LeBron and the Toon Squad. Cannot wait to see that. And I think this one will be a special one to me because, of course, I grew up with basketball, love basketball, love MJ and the original one. And now I'm really excited as like kind of a middle-aged adult who has followed basketball his whole life and knows the landscape of the league now. I'm excited to see who's on that goon squad, right? We have a WNBA player. We have some NBA players like Dame Dollar Sign. Clay Thompson's going to be in it. And that's really exciting. So a cool little movie tie-in video game. An awesome little influencer pack over there with Gary. And uh, a fun movie coming your way, which is really, really great. Gary, I'll let you pick one more story because I know this is getting long. We got okay, about give me, give me the last two to choose from. Because I, I have so to decide to pick one and then abandon one, right? What are these? Abandon one. Exactly. All right. So, so I'm, let's hear I'm gonna it. Go, I'm going to pull off a couple from the recycle bin here. Phil Spencer shed some light on the Halo Infinite release window, xCloud and the Series X server blades, or the new Xbox game cases. What is the game cases? What is that? So if you have been buying physical media recently, Gary, and you remember all of those old school Xbox game cases we used to buy back in the day, they are changing the look of the front of that with the game art. Oh, I did not know that. What are what are they? Let's talk about this because actually, this well, is what I don't know much about, about. It right now. What are uh, the? Do we have? Do we have a visual? Do we have an image? Like, yep, what are the right what here. are the new boxes going to look like? We have an image, and I'm actually going to pull in our producer for the day. Oh, yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Our man, the all right, Roger. Roger, you have the eye for all things design, so I'm going to let you and Gary take over, and I'll shed <laughs> some of my piece. But this is going to come from IGN. A quick write up by Matt T. Kim. It says, it appears the Xbox Series X and S retail game box is getting a slight redesign. Pre-order listings for games like Halo Infinite and Microsoft Flight Simulator are sporting new looks at retailers like Best Buy. As you can see, the old case is actually the same one that the Xbox One games used to retail in, except there's a Series X and S logo on the top right corner. By comparison, the new case completely removes the upper bar that reads Xbox in favor of a bigger box art logo and a top left corner banner denoting which Xbox systems the game is compatible with. So Gary, I'll go to you first. What the heck do you think about this? Yeah, this is interesting. This is actually, I, I totally, I was pretty clued into the Xbox news for the past week. I knew about the server blades. I knew about the Phil Spencer stuff. Um, I, I had not missed this at all. Maybe because I don't really buy like physical media anymore. I don't own a single, I don't know about you, Mike, but I don't own a single Xbox Series X game on a disc on physical media. I don't think I've even used that disc drive on the Series X. This is why I kind of wish they had released. I kind of wish they had done three SKUs, and maybe they still will. You know, the Series X, $499 with the disc drive. Series S with scaled-down hardware, no disc drive. I kind of would have liked, you know, an equivalent SKU to what the PlayStation 5 did with the digital edition. Give me a Series X with no disc drive. 
for mm. three ninety nine. Um, and so for the, for all of those reasons, I I used four K. I think I used my my drive once to like play a Blu Ray disc on, but I don't put discs in anymore. Everything is just on the um, especially if you talk about like what's the point of having quick resume if you're swapping discs all the time? And that's it's like slow. That's like slow resume, like the slowest possible resume because i'm like hunting around like where the fuck is the disc someone's put it back in the wrong box what the hell hey where's the you call out to your wife where's the disc for this thing what have you done with it you know it's like nobody wants that we're past all that why physical media is even that still much of a thing i just i I personally don't don't get it but if i must still look at boxes let's still figure out let's i guess let's figure out what kind of box i would most like to look at i don't know i mean i would like to hear roger is kind of the graphic design uh the visual person here what he thinks i to me, it kind of feels like different, but not necessarily better or worse. I used to kind of like the green band across the top because it was a nice identifier. Like you knew it, you knew an Xbox game when you saw it because it has that green band across the top. They've gotten rid of it. There's, I guess it means that the artwork on the front now can now occupy more of of the box. And it maybe maybe it feels maybe that's more aesthetically pleasing, but I don't know. This this kind of feels like they they changed it for the sake of changing it, and may it, this is going to be largely a matter of taste. For me, I don't really care. But it's interesting that they've that they've changed their branding. Yeah, Roger, for, I'll kick it to you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, like at first, the original one I thought was fine, but the more I'm looking at it, it's so busy. <laughs> there's so much stuff going on in it. Like, there's like three times where it says Series X on it in the original one, like in the top right corner and the badge. Uh, so this is oh, like yeah. a lot more simplified, and I totally get why they would do that. But I just don't like the Xbox Series X and Xbox One, um, just the way that they did the text. I think it just feels like a template. Like they just kind of threw it together. Like it just doesn't feel very purposeful. Doesn't feel integrated. I like that. Like that little black band of xbox series x dot mm. xbox one i think that really adds a lot to it uh so not having that and i, I think also it's kind of weird I, I i don't know there's probably a reason for it but the fact that they don't say xbox series s is really weird like i, I that's strange that they add xbox one well you want to know why why because it's all digital yeah oh yeah that's true oh shit i forgot yeah. about that never mind never mind i'm a fake gamer i'm a fake he gamer. got you he got you god damn it god damn it okay that makes sense then <laughs> yeah no I, I i think it's so i think it's better it's a better step but it's uh i just doesn't feel too integrated to me feels kind of like i mean it's, it's it's a good point but all of this extra information they have to put on the box now series x and yeah. you know to point out that this works across generations is you know obviously a byproduct of the fact that these games can do this now back in the day you know the, there was the original xbox and there were original xbox games and the 360 came out and they were 360 games they didn't have to explain to you whether they worked on on the old or the new ones because we all understood no this is the new game for the new console now that we are living in this kind of cross-generational era where a game like halo infinite will work on the series x and be optimized for series x but you can put that same disc in an xbox one and it'll work obviously not it won't look as good but it'll work just as well on that one um you know there's they 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 obviously need to kind of eliminate uh consumer confusion as much as possible again this is something where i think xbox has not done a great job over the years i've said it a million times xbox one xbox one s xbox series x xbox one s xbox series s like there's a lot of confusion in their naming scheme and some of it is due to the fact that we are now in this cross generational era so they do need to try and make it as as plain and easy and accessible for you know when people go to target or walmart or best buy wherever they go and pick up a copy of the game well i have an xbox one i have a series s or whatever is this is this going to work on mine is this the right version they do have to explain yeah whichever disc you bring home it's going to work um and it's going to and it's going to be the correct version for your 
uh, system, you know, with smart delivery and all of that. So it's a lot. It is a little bit of an extra, a bit of extra information they have to put on the box. I'm sure they would love these box arts to be as clean and un uncluttered as possible. The, the, again, the, the the design question is: we, we, there's the same amount of information on each one of these boxes. Which one just looks better? Which one communicates the information and lets the artwork kind of sing, you know, unobstructed as much as possible? And I guess the argument would be. I, I can see how the new one is, is. It's not perfect, but I can see how it seems a little better and cleaner and brighter yeah. uh, than the previous one. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the old version. I like the big green banner. I love the optimization patch. I was always a big fan of that badge being on it. But uh, you can definitely tell the new version has a much cleaner box style where you're going to get the most out of that cover art. And I think that's really why you're going for that is those sweet, sweet cover arts and being able to see that. I don't like the big white box it just kind of feels off and feels kind of clunky but you know what i'm more of a digital gamer so this really won't affect me i actually have two pieces on this my first one is i will show some old school physical media and oh, there you one go thing that i will always miss God. and this is one of my favorite games conquers bad fur day live and reloaded but i will always miss this big orange xbox live online enabled bar i think this just used to scream at me all the time knowing that you were going to play this game online and just that bright orange bar letting you know that live is enabled on it was always so special and on the opposite side since i have gone all digital i think i went all digital towards the end of the xbox one generation probably about three or so years ago it feels like a long time now i don't remember the last time i bought a physical game and physical game case but one thing i do notice is is the game tiles so the game tile shows essentially the game box art. And I've been let down a couple of times with the game tiles and a little disappointed. I kind of point to sports titles and the special edition versions of those games. When you think about Madden, you think about NBA 2K, you have on the Madden side, the GOAT edition. You have on the NBA 2K side, the Mamba edition this year. And I splurge on getting this Mamba edition. And I'm really excited about the box art of having Kobe Bryant on there. I love the look of it. And I want that to be the game tile inside of my games library on the Xbox hard drive. And for some reason, I don't get that special edition uh, cover art. I get the Dame dollar sign basic one. And I'm like, what is up with this? I don't like that the game tiles sometimes don't match up with the versions you buy. I had a friend whose Fortnite game tile actually didn't update for like years. It was just the original one and finally kicked on recently with a new version. And it was funny to hear that story, but... I think as I move away from physical copies of games and the boxes, I still want that box art feel on those game tiles, but I'm missing something with the special editions. It's just not clicking on the back end and showing that on the game tiles. Maybe they choose to do or do not that, but it does uh, or hurts a little bit not having that Mamba edition. Yeah, I hear that. Different companies have, have taken different um, approaches to that. EA, I think, does a better job of that. I have FIFA 21 installed on my xbox right now and I, I had it installed since before the um series x you know special edition upgrade thing was available when it got upgraded the tile did get up, updated as well and now you can tell that i've got the super fancy edition of it um but you know you're right but, it, it, honestly so so many of these these games these these ultimate legendary editions where you're paying up to 120 i just saw this the other day i was looking i was browsing around the the xbox store for some of these like bat for battlefield uh, 2042, like legendary ultimate, whatever they call it, or Back for Blood has like an ultimate edition. You're looking at you're looking up to 120 bucks, 
And a lot of the stuff that you get that they throw in to justify that price point is just a bunch of digital crap, right? Like it's really not, it, it, I really feel like it's worth, you know, sometimes the stuff that it's actually you know, worthwhile, like you get a whole of the season pass content, things you'd be buying anyway, like that's all baked in. But then they just throw in just like a, basically a bunch of like digital stickers and charge keys and just cheap, you know, the, the kind of cheap crap that you like you redeem for like a million tickets at the skee-ball place down by the pier, you know, like the pencil array, whatever the digital version of like a pencil eraser is, you know, like it's not that exciting. And so the least they can do, the least they can do is like when you're looking at your, you know, your, your, uh, Xbox screen is when you look at, look at that tile is like a night, you know, you want like a, I know what you mean, Mike, you want that like gold plated, you know, platinum gilt edged, you know, tile to you know, remind you, oh yeah, I got, I, I got the baller edition of this game. Absolutely. Totally Gary. That's just one thing I noticed. And uh new box, uh new game cases coming your way, but let's pause to hear a quick word from our sponsors and then kick you on over to the Sea of Thieves interview with myself and Greg and the team from Sea of Thieves and Rare. This podcast is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know that Netflix and a bunch of the other digital services you could be using have different content in different regions? And if you're not in that region, like I'm over here in the United States, I can't see what's happening over on Netflix UK, right? Ah! That is until ExpressVPN gets in there. ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. It's like some spy stuff, right? Like you just want it to think you're in Japan. You want it to think that you're in England. You want it to think that you're in Canada. You go in and use the ExpressVPN app, you set that, and guess what? Netflix looks at it and is like, oh, this guy's in Canada or Japan or the UK. This is great. This is easy. Uh, they have almost 100 different server locations, so you can gain access to thousands of new shows. This works with many other streaming services too, the BBC iPlayer, YouTube, and more. YouTube, very helpful, let me tell you. Of course, why do we know so much about ExpressVPN? Because the one, the only, Cool Greg Geddes uses this. Of course, Cool Greg loves his cartoons. He loves watching stuff on Netflix. And when he ran out of cartoons, he needed this subscription to go see what was happening in other countries. And he's still watching cartoons to this day. So you should be like, Cool Greg, watch some cool cartoons. Uh, why choose ExpressVPN over the other VPNs? I'm glad you asked. Uh, blazing fast speeds, you can stream in HD with zero buffering. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more, and it encrypts your data. ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting your data so you can browse the web securely. And a personal bullet point I'll throw in, ExpressVPN has been supporting Kinda Funny for years. So if you are in the market for a uh, VPN, you know, you wanna keep all your information uh, secret and safe. You wanna keep uh, the apps not knowing where you are. Express VPN has been good to us, so we should be good to them. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting an access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash kind of funny. Don't forget to use our link expressvpn.com slash kind of funny to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Our next sponsor, why, ladies and gentlemen, it is HVMN. If you didn't know, sitting at your desk can reach you for that sugar-loaded latte or that sweet and quote-unquote healthy snack bar, that's terrible. It's loaded with sugar. You don't want that. Take a small step to improve your day and avoid the sugar crash by mixing in some keto powder with your coffee or trying HVMN keto. I always want to say keto. Keto food bars. How do we know about HVMN? Because the one and only Big Kev Dog uses this. That's right. Uh, he ordered a whole bunch and he's been snacking on those and enjoying them quite a bit. And of course, Paul likes it because he's not eating garbage because, you know, Big Kev Dog would eat out of the trash if you gave him the chance. But HVMN, it's not that. Uh, trying to lose a little weight, sleep a little better, or not feel so groggy during the day. Health via modern nutrition can help you do all those things with a few small keto-friendly choices to improve your metabolism throughout the day. HVMN is a nutrition company that takes the mystery out of counting macros. They're results-driven, modern 
modern nutrition for modern lifestyles with less sugar than their competitors. Their products uh, provide lifestyle and habit upgrades that help their customers become healthier and better versions of themselves. By using real organic ingredients, HVMN has made keto and lifestyle improvements easy with healthy and low sugar options that are great for you and deliciously satisfying. HVMN offers single items like MCT oil, keto food bars, and keto collagen powder, or you can grab a kit that includes all the essentials for an everyday discount. Whether you're curious about keto, want to improve your performance, lose weight, or boost brain and body wellness, HVMN will have a non-intimidating solution for you and in tasty flavors. Right now, HVMN is offering our listeners an additional 10% off your first order when you go to HVMN.com slash kind of funny. Embrace healthy living today, just like Kevin did at Paul's request. Go to HVMN.com slash kind of funny for 10% off your first order. That's HVMN.com slash kind of funny for 10% off. Welcome back, everyone. Of course, we have a fun little interview talking all about Sea of Thieves and the latest Pirate Life update. So I brought in a good friend, my good guy, Greg Miller, to join me and talk all things pirates. But Greg, you're not the star of the show here. We got two really important cast members joining us alongside me from the Sea of Thieves team. We have executive producer Joe Neitz and creative director Mike Chapman. Guys, welcome in. Thanks so much for joining me and Greg here on the Kind of Funny X cast. How you both doing today? Very well. Yeah, good. It's been a, good. It's been a yeah. Interesting week, but a good one. Yeah. So uh, I was going to yeah. say, what's what? It, yeah. Talk to me about the being on the other side of this week. You're building up to this pirate's life. You're going to drop it. You guys are stoked about it. Let alone the fact that it's only been revealed for a week after that. Like, what's it like now to have it in everybody's hands? It, like, it doesn't feel real, honestly. <laughs> the, uh, in in any way, shape, or form. I think seeing seeing the kind of response to it, which is which is. It looks really positive has been amazing but the whole thing is so surreal the whole thing is like a pinch me kind of moment right like bringing disney to the world of sea of thieves is a it is a dream come true and, and you know you can't really for me i can't really overstate that but the fact they announced it's roller coaster ride it not leaking is such a huge deal and now it to actually see it out and see people actually play through it it's yeah i pinch myself every day it's incredible amazing yeah, I bet. And then, uh, Joe, it would be a similar question for you, but I feel like on top of the fact, because I think, I guess my story is tied up in this question, right? On top of the fact that you nail Pirate's Life, and I want to talk about that of like, I can't believe how much the first Tall Tale gives the feeling of the ride, but I want to save that. On top of nailing that, on top of having this license, what is it like then to have this moment that I feel so few live games get, which is this almost re-debut almost like this uh, an, another launch because it has been of course sea of thieves has been out forever it's had a community forever but it's been that thing of no matter how many people tell me i should play sea of thieves i'm like oh, i'll get to it i'll get to it now when this one dropped i finally jumped in and i've been blown away at how good this game is like what is that like to have a second release date um we were chatting about this the other day i think uh, mike and i that kind of feeling it definitely feels like that and it's you know, if we look back to a few years ago, a kind of launch, you know, it was a, we had some scale issues, we had some sentiment and feedback issues right, from, from players, some people loved it, some people wanted more, fair, fair enough, um, but this time our scale has worked because we were really prepared for it and we you know we saw a ton of people come in um a, you know a, a lot more than we would normally see and that, that we've seen kind of over the first half of the year, but, but that's kind of all worked um, and like you say, the sentiment's been great. And so it does It does feel like that kind of moment, that kind of buzz. And um, 
it's kind of new to us because it's the first time we've worked on a service like this right and so sure. we're kind of finding our way as we go and learning a lot as we go but we definitely wanted to to mike's point keep this a secret it was the biggest kind of deal for us that we wanted to you know be there part of the um the xbox and bethesda show and just surprise people but not just with the announce of what it was but also oh and now it's coming in like um 10 days right and so yeah. Uh, to see that excitement and then, whoa, like, you know, through that whole trailer, the surprise, the surprise, the surprise, we layered it up like, purposefully. And so, um, yeah, it's been amazing. Like, it really has. And for the team that's been working on this for pretty much the last 15 months, really, since we entered, um, wow. since we ended lockdown, basically, we kind of came back and we're like, hey, we're going to go build this. And, oh, no, we've got to go build it at home. Um, but it's been <laughs> an amazing thing for the whole studio. So, yeah, very, very surreal, but exciting. Wow, that's really exciting there, guys. And yeah, a lot of momentum heading into this week and ending the week off really strong with a lot of positivity. I guess we should probably start from the beginning, right? You talk about how this didn't leak and how you're working with Disney. I guess let's just have some fun telling some stories. Who came up with this idea? I mean, it's a match made in heaven to bring Sea of Thieves and Pirates of the Caribbean together. Who said, yo, let's go talk to Disney and have some fun? Yeah. Well, we had a meeting two years ago, pretty much at E3, two years ago, um, between us and Disney that we kind of went into with just an open mind. And I don't even know who set it up, right? Like, um, it was what someone in the Xbox side was like, hey, you know, Disney are interested in having a chat with you. And we were like, oh, cool, let's go, let's go have a chat. And it was very much an open conversation, really. So, you know, we met with with John Drake, who I'm, I'm, I think I think you know. We met with, with some others, Luigi, um, Priore, um, and... It was just a really interesting discussion and, and straight away like there was a lot of respect on both sides right for they understood sea of thieves they had a lot of respect for what we'd built um obviously mike is the biggest disney fan and um uh, kind of just in terms of knowledge of, of everything related to disney and and um and parts of the caribbean and and really clearly from that first meeting there was just a lot of just mutual respect and love for each other's kind of worlds and uh, and that we've created and we kind of left that meeting kind of with almost an open invitation to go and have a think about like if we wanted to do something potentially um to to come back with some ideas right and uh so it was just very open very kind of fun fun discussion and and mike and i walked away from that meeting went, went around the corner put our arms around each other and we're like we're gonna we're gonna do something special here um you know made sure we were we were out of sight but uh and, and so mike <laughs> then went away from that point on, and like I say, two years ago, that was at E3, um, you know, on the little square outside LA Live was where we were kind of arm, arm in arm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Mike went, came back to the, to the studio and started thinking about, you know, what, if we were to do something together, what, how would we do that? What would we do? And, and what are the key things to kind of consider? So I can hand over to Mike to kind of talk a bit through that creative process from that point. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, yeah, end it right there. Like, we're going to be talking there for four hours. I'll try and keep it brief. But there's, there's, so, there's just so much going on there. I think the type of pirates that you see in Sea of Thieves, you know, it's, it's not just sea battles and long voyages and scurvy. It's the full pirate package, right? Adventures on islands. It's all the, you know, the kind of goofy humor and the romantic view of pirates that, you know, so many of us have grown up with. You know, you can trace it back to... You know, the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction in some ways, but you know, if you're of a certain age group, you probably play Monkey Island growing up, and the the type of experience that represents the humour and the just that that yeah fantastical take on a, on a pirate world. So I think right from the off, like what Sea of Thieves represents and its version of pirates that it shows is it's the Treasure Island version. It's the version that 
you know, inspires kids. It's about breaking the rules. It's about, you know, the freedom to have your adventures. So that broad view of pirates that, you know, it's almost aspirational. It's not like dry historical and it's all about theft. No, it's actually about, you know, this one, <laughs> this wonderful ability to head out on the horizon and have these kind of boundless seas to explore. So the spirit it's that whimsy, right? Yeah. It's that, it's that Whim whimsy of pirates. Absolutely perfect word. And, and I think... The, the spirit of our game and the spirit of Rare in many ways in our studio has been tapping into that kind of whimsical, whimsical characters, colourful worlds. I mean, the type of, yeah, Sea of Thieves has always kind of had that. Um, so I think that meeting, that Jerry first, that first meeting, I mean, my mind's blown already in terms of we're not just talking about adding skins to our game. There's a potential here to do something, integrating it into our world. And at the same time, I also believe that just because you're a fan of something and just because I'm a fan of Disney and, you know, that spirit is alive and well in Sea of Thieves, that's not the reason to do it. There's still got to be an authentic story that we're going to tell. And if we're going to go anywhere near um, integrating our world that has its own world and stories and lore and characters with, with Disney, it's going to kind of be done properly. So finding the right story was key. Um, and it all kind of taps into kind of the name, right? A pirate's life. What does it mean to be a pirate in the Sea of Thieves? And you know, when you die in Sea of Thieves, there's a ferryman character who ferries you back to the land of the living because the pirate's life is eternal in the Sea of Thieves. So then that question of what if Davy Jones found the Sea of Thieves? Would he want to create a new Davy Jones locker there? How would that change the face of the characters in our world and in this epic struggle for the freedom of pirates in Sea of Thieves? So that was kind of the in for the story. Um, but then when you look at Pirates of the Caribbean, it's got the tone, it's got the humour, it's got all the fantastical nautical legends come to life. So I think that's where, with the right seed to the story, they just, hopefully, everyone agrees that they, they just, it feels meant to be. I think that's what we said. 100%. If we, do, if we do this right and we do it authentically, it's meant to be. And for the people that have that affinity for the attraction, they've grown up with it and they've got the affinity for the movies, like, we could create magic. And I think... That's that's what we've tried to do. So yeah, it's been a real labor of love. It's been an absolute privilege to work on it. I think yeah, jumping off of that, that to something actually go back to what you're talking about with the trailer you guys revealed at the Xbox showcase, Bethesda showcase. Uh, when it starts, and one of the first things we see are the prisoners bartering with the dog with the keychain in his mouth. My first reaction was like, oh, they're doing the they're doing the pirates bit because I've seen so many other games and other cartoons and everything else reference that because it's such a touchstone. But then to be I, I think in our reaction, you see me like, oh, they're well, wait, wait. Are, well, and like get deeper and deeper because of like what you all start doing with it. But to go back to it of like you talk about being, you know, meant to be and that they integrate so perfectly like that, I think, again, is where I want to compliment you on the first tall tale for uh, a pirate's life where I am not the Disney guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I have very, very visceral memories tied to pirates of the Caribbean, scaring me to death in the second grade. And then coming back to it, you know, now as an adult, a couple of times, uh, the, the attraction. And so playing that, like it is that I, I, I would love to talk to you and hear your stories about creating that. Cause it is such a, video game version not of the attraction but of the feel of the emotions of the pacing like how is you're slowly going into it right you have your own drop you have the dead man tell no tales like we, i was playing it with mike and we were streaming it and one of our friends chris anka popped in and he was just because i was complimenting this and i'm like this feels like the ride and he popped in, he's like 
the only thing they're missing is the smell, right? Right? It doesn't have that <laughs> dank cavernous smell, but like the people were there, the references were there. Like, did you know that you needed to nail that out of the gate? Was that something you wanted to like? Where does that come from? How did you do that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The the trying to. I mean, it's such a. If you've if you've experienced the attraction and you're like the, the smells, the sights, the sound, all of that stuff is what is what puts you in that moment and transports you to that world. So. Doing it in Sea of Thieves was that first opportunity to create that kind of magical moment for people playing it. But at the same time, it's that kind of balance of you don't want to copy it directly so it feels just like a straight homage because it's yeah. not the, the level design and the exact rooms. They're not identical, deliberately so. So it was this kind of idea of the, the music, the sound effects, you know, the sound of the rushing waterfalls, even the, the lighting. Um, you know, if you ever hear Ron Gilbert talk about Monkey Island, the reason why that opening island in Monkey Island has that blue, Mille Island is all blue, is because of the blue from the ride. It's the same hue of blue um, to basically plant you in that scene. So again, right, we've got to have this blue and green lighting illuminating these waterfalls. But it's all based on this notion of what if the, the attraction is the attraction because of the limitations of the ride system. It's about getting people through this experience. But what if we almost imagined the source material for what the attraction was. Imagine the attraction is a real place that had a ride based on it, and then trying to tap into that, the themes, the sights, the sounds, and almost like recreate the director's cut version. That was that was the that was the goal. Um but then Easy. Easy, not yeah, a well, big deal. <laughs> Take one of the most like <laughs> loved attractions of all time and be like, oh no, let's directors cut it. But then but then the like the it's lovely that you've said that the pace is so important and I've, yeah. i actually believe that you know for someone starting out in game design you can learn so much about game design by visiting disneyland you know the the, the sense of pace the environmental storytelling the sights the sound the use of big vertical castles to orientate yourself like the, when you'd sit down with a, a a level designer learning that craft that's the kind of thing you'd be talking about line of sight using lighting so disney have that craft absolutely down uh, and the idea of not hand-holding someone, but using the space to craft this story where we're never breaking immersion, we're never putting a cutscene in front of you. You're just right there living it. Um, but it all comes down to like, like you know, some of the, the sound effects that you hear in there are the sound effects from the original attraction. When you hear that seagull in the first room, that is from the attraction. That is the actual sound that Disney provided us with those, those samples, and we put that right in there. The whistling, howling wind through the caverns, yeah. that's the original audio. And then a mix of, and again, that, that striking the balance of being evocative of it, but putting a fresh spin on it. So there's a mix of, you know, Paul Freeze, the, the kind of original kind of cavern voice that you hear, the Dead Men Tell No Tales, that's the original VO. But then we re-recorded new VO for the purposes of this tale, but in the style of that classic stuff. So... We did recording sessions with Disney where we actually used the same mics from the 1960s, the vintage mics to get that same vintage sound and passed it all through the same processing. So it's, yeah, it's been an obsessive process. Awesome. It probably comes across. <laughs> it does. It does. It works. <laughs> that sounds like a ton of fun right there. What was it like with the team you brought up? Of course, we've all been living through COVID and to have this big, kind of grab with the pitch and the opportunity to do this and then go into development and share this energy with all of your team and then to work from home. What was that like? Was that wind out of your sails or were you still able to keep the excitement with the team and have some fun creating this? So 
it's, it's an interesting one because it was two years ago we came back from that first E3 and we, we like after every E3 we're always we always do like an all hands meeting with the whole studio where we're like you know here's all the great feedback we've had from players and and here's what we showed or, or whatever and but we were like oh, and also we had a you know we had a couple of meetings and and one of them was really really cool and exciting and um, so we talked about who we met with and we were like look so it's in our court now to go figure out like what do we want to do here? Can we come up with a creative? Can we go figure out the business stuff as well, which is an entire separate conversation and one that's probably less interesting for, for this. But, um, <laughs> like, you know, how do we make that work in a service? Because And it's something we did, like, but we didn't want to charge for, right? We didn't want to just like a traditional DLC thing that will go and sell for, for and split our audience. It was like, no, no, it has to go into our game the same way everything else does. So that was some added kind of uh, complication. But so, so it came, yeah, two years we came back and did that. We went and had the meetings, but it was January... Um, when we went across to, uh, which 2020, yeah, January, 2020, when we went across to Disney and, and took them through the creative pitch, which is basically what you play now, but in PowerPoint form, right? Which was literally <laughs> concepts showing all of the tales, all of the story. And, and the Disney team were just like, yes, this is amazing, right? Like this is like, we just have to go make this. And so while we continue to figure out all the business stuff, we actually just went off and kicked off the development work with our team, kind of the, the planning stuff in February. And really, we were just about starting um, in kind of March when when this happened, right? when we were all like, oh, we're going to have to go work from home and figure out how to do that. But but genuinely, I think having this to kind of focus on for, for everyone um, across the team to be mm -hmm. just focused on something that was so exciting and so cool and that everybody, there's so many, like Mike is clearly kind of the... Um, that one of the most avid Disney fans that I've ever um, kind of met in terms of his knowledge and appreciation for, for, for Disney and for Pirates of the Caribbean. But there's so many people like that at the studio because there's so many people like that around the world, right? And because sure. it's such an, an, an incredible um, just kind of company and history and, and legacy that this, this um, that, that Disney has. And, and Mike will talk to it far more eloquently than I ever can. But but, for, <laughs> but, but our team was so passionate to, to do this and make this the most, in, like just amazing update that we've ever made and you know the the different elements of the team the music the audio the the environment working on such new exciting stuff that we've never seen in sea of thieves before with some of these places and environments that we built and so um i think there was no better motivation and no better thing to keep us focused on while you know the 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 world was somewhat chaotic around us and why everyone was going through difficult kind of personal circumstances right everybody has had different challenges in the last year and um and, and stuff so but it, but it would definitely, I think, provided us with a purpose and a focus and a, and something to really focus our energies and passion on. Um, uh, and so, so I think it was a real positive in that sense, right? Um, so, did it? And I'm this, I'm not fishing for exacts, but did it push your initial release plan? Like, was this in your? Were you guys trying to get this done sooner, or was it very much like we're entering and we don't know what we're doing, so we're going to see how long it takes? Um. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of um i'll be honest it was still the same time frame but we were kind of loose in terms of we didn't set a specific date to sure. the team um but we you know we kind of had a year or so in mind in our um in terms of the development that we wanted to do um and when you know when we we wanted to give some freedom to the team in terms of planning in terms of scoping in terms of of, of stuff but um the kind of the, the boring answer is that there's a financial year planning thing as part of Microsoft, but also there's the E3 thing that's coming there around that time. And so I sure. think it was always, you know, I think this was always going to be something that we wanted to reveal at E3, but we were kind of, let's like, let's give the team some freedom to go and figure out if we can do this without just going, look, we're, we're going for next year E3, let's go. Um, and it was more like, as, as we 
as, as we started building out those plans, it looked like we could fit it in around that time frame. We had to fold it into our seasonal approach and updates too. Um, uh, but but yeah, definitely. And, and that's, again, one of the most amazing things as well is that we managed to deliver it in the time frame that we wanted. And, and, I'll, and I'll be honest, if like Rare's strengths are, and, and this is purely down to how we, the things we focus on, on, on prioritize is that like game experience and creating new kind of innovative things is absolutely the strength of the studio and the thing that we push and we prioritize above all else. Like timely delivery um, is possibly lower on the list of priorities. Um, <laughs> uh, as, 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 and that comes from the t from top down in terms of um, uh, just, just what we focus on, right? And, and what we care about sure. the most. Um, but to be able to to actually deliver all of that in, in the whole package, right? Where, where we actually managed to to kind of steer towards where we wanted to whilst also delivering this incredible update and delivering on all the all the dreams that I think Mike and team had for this because there's so many Easter eggs hidden away in there, right? That like throughout all of it. Um, uh, and uh, it's, yeah, it's it's a absolute passion and project, a labor of love for, for the whole team. And it's been, a, as, as EP, it's been a privilege to witness the team go after this and do this and do this in the time, like in the, in the um, you know, in, in the last year and so, because I, 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 I am a bit privileged. I get to be a bit far away from the detail, right? And I get to see the, the video updates that we send across to Disney as it was being built and kind of sitting there and watching through all the tales and seeing how they come together and from that original pitch. And just, yeah, I, I've just been witnessing the team do something incredible. And uh, it's been yeah, an absolute privilege. That's awesome. You talk about uh, the focus of the team and what you guys were focusing on the project. And then, of course, the original pitch. The question I have is, uh, me now looking at the results, right? I think one of the things I've seen the most in terms of, obviously, I've seen so many people talk about how much they like Pirate's Life. But the other thing I've seen is multiple articles saying, hey, like, this is great single player content. Like, obviously, you can play with a crew, you can have a whole thing, but like, you can play this alone and have a good time, which had always been one of the caveats people had given me about uh, Sea of Thieves. Uh, Greg, you, I think you'd like this game, but you need a crew, and I know you're not a multiplayer guy, so like, it, it, you know, blah, 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 blah. Was that a bullet point you had on the slide from the beginning of like we're going to make pirates life and we want it to be an entry point for a solo player yeah i think i think there's lots of different answers to that but i think i mean firstly that because you're integrating another world into our existing world that straight away speaks to you're going to bring an audience in that maybe hasn't discovered sea of these before so there's that part of it in terms of that responsibility of giving people a you know a spectacular entry point to our world where they want to continue discovering more about this game that we've created. But I think we've done tall tales before. There's five tall tales in a pirate's life, and we've done eleven. So we've done a lot of content like that before, and we you know we tried to push and give people magical experiences in those as well. But I think the because of the nature of Pirates of the Caribbean and the nature of that Disney connection, it kind of demands that more immersive, cinematic, a greater sense of awe and wonder. It, it, kind, it kind of speaks very much to that. So some of our other tales have that, but they've also got quite cerebral puzzle solving. So, you know, you really get that sense of discovery and solving things. Whereas this felt like, you know, we, we want to give people their chance to live their take on a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. You know, we want to give you all the physical set pieces and stunts that you'd imagine in a movie. You know, we want to immerse you in an original story that it weaves together elements of Pirates of the Caribbean with their existing lore and it moves their world forwards as well. So, yeah, and taking people to new locations, every tale takes place in a brand new location. So, 
you know, underwater world for the first time, the Sea of the Dam for the first time. So it was just that, you know, the showmanship of trying to bring the showmanship of Disney sure. into it, um, which is immersing people in this, you know, hopefully imaginative adventure where they can get lost in it. Yeah, it's it's interesting that the question that you, that you ask, because it's it's kind of one of the ongoing hottest topics, I guess, within within our community and, and even outside of it. Right. That that kind of. Like Sea of Thieves at its heart, and and since the start of, of this, from our original pitch, players creating stories together, we wanted to create the shared world adventure game, the SWAG is the acronym there. We have that <laughs> in the original pitch. Um, but, uh, but we know that as, as we've continued to grow this, right, we've continued to add like narrative as well into our shared world that, um, that 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 kind of that clamor i guess that ask for for a bit more control over your experience and how you you know um like whether you interact with other players or not like that that is a continued conversation and we i think we knew go kind of going into this as well we'd see some feedback around that too um and so so parts of these tales take part in the sea of the damned where you're kind of like just with you and or on your own or you and your crew um but then some are also in the shared world as well which is obviously like we're super passionate about Sea of Thieves as a shared world experience. It's like it's like like nothing else. I think when you have those incredible encounters with other players, it really is. But but we are listening and continually having conversations around like you know if we want to continue growing Sea of Thieves, which we obviously do, and um, you know how do we service that need? How do we service sure. that kind of ask really? Um, but in a way that doesn't take away from what is super special about the the, the kind of shared world. So. It's an interesting one. I think it's one that we're going to continue to discuss. And Mike and I, next Friday, I think we're going to go go and have some some drinks and some food and um, kind of celebrate a little bit, but also talk about the future. I think and that we want to that we one of the topics as well. I think. Um, I have to imagine, like, yeah, you're on the the precipice here of a, a brave new future, right? Like, again, like you guys have been Sea of Thieves has been out for a while. You've had a community for a while, obviously, yeah. but now you have this influx of players like myself that are totally. 100% in love with it. Join the Sea of Thieves subreddit, following everybody on Twitter. Like I'm 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 in, right? And I want more <laughs> content, but I'm one of these people that is there being like, well, that's interesting in like the MMOs I play, right? Like you can toggle off PVP. So like, you know, when me and Mike were out doing our stuff and we ran into other people and Kevin was up on the crow's nest and I was doing they were like, let's attack them. And then, you know, last or two nights ago when Mike wouldn't respond to my messages of do you want to play Sea of Thieves with me? Uh, and I was running solo and I was trying to bring back my skulls and I was just getting destroyed. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm like, leave me alone. I'm solo. I just want to drop this stuff <laughs> off. And I could not do it. I was just getting killed. I was like, I could I could go for a toggle right now. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think the, I'll say the experience that like it's been out since March 2018, the experience is so broad now. And there's been people playing their games since the alphas and betas or closed betas. They've been with us on that journey the whole yeah. time. Some of them have got, you know, gold wallets, million, multiple of millions. They're pirate legends. They know everything inside and out. They don't even sail by the world map anymore. They know that Crescent Island is north of. Um, they, I mean, they're actual you know, true navigators of this world. And then, but the way the progression system works, where you could have played for hundreds of hours, you can bring your friend in, and they can seamlessly join you because there's no power progression. And it's about the stories that you have in this world. So many players. I mean, they've got different passions about about Sea of Thieves. Some people love the PvP. They love the kind of purity of encountering unknown people out there in the waves. Some people love the tall tales and the, the idea of the, this pirate narrative that we've created. Um, and some people just like to kick back, treat it as a virtual chat room and relax and fish and just have all these immersive adventures. And I think that 
broad appeal because the theme is so broad. So, so many people love that, you know, fantastical take on pirates. I think that's that's a kind of a privilege, but there is that responsibility there in terms of you can't cater to any one audience. We've got to sure. continue to bring new people in, take them on that journey, give them these magical sea of thieves experiences. But we also the people that have been with us since the start. We also want to surprise and delight them. Um, and I think a pirate's life kind of speaks to both. Um, but yeah, definitely positioned as what what a great way to discover our world by way of Pirates of the Caribbean. See, seeing the world through the eyes of Jack Sparrow and these newcomers, what a wonderful way to introduce it. That was the thinking, at least. No, I think, and I think it works really well. And I think you know it, that's why I was I called that whimsy earlier is because that's what this game totally is to me. And I think I had that wrong in my head of oh okay, it's this pirate game you play with your friends. I got it. And then actually getting invested in playing with Mike and Mike's been along for this experience with me, right? Of like me being like. I, and not and not understanding we're playing the tall tale and i'm like I, when we we're wrapping up i was like what do you think i'm like i had a great time i was like it's interesting like there's no hud i thought there'd be this or that yeah yeah and then like when we actually went off and we were doing the next day when we were running around the stream and i was like oh like the map is the map like i have to look at the map and then you're not putting waypoints out because you want me using the spyglass and i was like i get it i get what you're doing and like finding the little <laughs> treasure map and then finding on the big map where it is and going there and like i'm like mike i'm digging off a try like it's it's beautiful and fantastic and i'm obviously you know two steps in i can't wait to continue my journey that's so awesome it's great to see their smile when you bring that up greg because i smile and feel that too and it's so much fun to experience that with your friends i was telling you know you two as you guys came in of like i finished all five tall tales last night and i absolutely loved every moment of it and it gave me an awesome opportunity to connect with friends that i haven't played with in a long time right i got to play with greg who is a single player guy he doesn't really want to jump on the multiplayer hype that i'm always on and then playing with my good friend miles from windows central and him telling me stories about how much fun he had talking about you two and how excited I was to see you guys the next day and to experience that difference of here's a new player, here's a veteran player, and here I am in the middle and how much fun I had and looking back on it, the awesome experience that you all created and everything you added, right? I think now when we look in and we keep talking about this update, you add in new enemy types for us to go out there and find in the world. You had an awesome, fun weapon. What was that like of, you brought it up, we have these veteran players, we have these new players, and finding that balance to cater to almost everybody, but also to certain audiences. Why did you think now's the time let's add in new enemy types and a new weapon? I mean, it's definitely always a question of like when that would happen. We've always wanted to do that. And I think some of the, the themes, the, the phantoms, the ocean crawlers, you know, the crustacean-like creatures that you see now in the world, you go back to our original art book, like we explored kind of concepts of the sea of the damned world and the world of an underwater world of the sirens. Um, and again, that again, it's, it's nautical folklore, nautical folklore brought to life. Um, so that what like why now? Like you've, you've got that platform with this wonderful story to introduce it. So you're not just adding content or mechanics to the world with no context. You've got that law based reason to explain why they've come into the world, which makes it all make sense and people can role play more effectively. Um, yeah, it's just, just a case of the shared world is this, it's this mixing pot of ingredients and we never want to take content out. And the reason why I smiled when, when Greg was talking about the, the design decisions around the spyglass, the choices around the map, and then create, that's what creates those pirate stories. 
and the combination of all these mechanics in the shared world, they combine in different ways, in ways that feel unique to you. And they're, they're those real magical Sea of Thieves moments where you go, I, I feel like I'm in Master and Commander. I feel like I'm in Pirates of the Caribbean. This game's making me feel things that hopefully no other game's going to make you feel in terms of everything's physical, everything's a tool, everything's toy-like. Um, so things work the way you'd expect. Um, it's not about throwing a bunch of hood on screen. So in terms of the specifics of the question, it was, it was just about like, it was an opportunity with the Pirates Live to be authentic to the world of Pirates of the Caribbean, but fundamentally let's move the world of Sea of Thieves forwards. Like the tall tales are a great entry point for new players, give you that cinematic experience, but we want to stick around and we want to have content in that shared world that enriches those core Sea of Thieves stories. So now you're not just going to islands fighting skeletons, you're encountering ocean crawlers and phantoms, you're diving down to shipwrecks, you used to be seeing sharks, now you're seeing sirens as well. So it just feels like the, the game's moved forward um, in a Sea of Thieves way because of this partnership. It's not just about the, the tall tales. Yeah, that's how it feels. And you captured that so, so well. And it was really cool to not only play the five tall tales, but then to sail around with Greg and Kevin and to encounter those enemies right out of the blue. I didn't know, oh, they're going to be on all the islands. And now it does feel organic. It feels right when I'm going to travel around and just play the game. So you guys did a really good job at that. I want to talk about going deep underwater. Of course, the Sunken Kingdom on tall tale number two, you get this grandiose reveal, right? And you get this moment of, oh, wow, this is awesome. You guys created this world in the shared world. And it's so wild to think of like, we were just up there with everyone and in the normal game, but now I'm down here in this just gigantic piece that they created. What was that like creating that set piece down there? Oh, that, 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 that bit was, and there's a, a great example here that, that, the swim down, we, we knew we wanted to move you seamlessly down there. Like, again, that idea of things should work the way you'd expect. So you just want to dive off the ship, seamlessly swim down there. But then thinking about that, it was like, well, initially it was like, oh, how are we going to make that entertaining? You're going to have to swim <laughs> down for minutes deep below the ocean. How is that going to be fun? And straight away, it's like, no, that, that, that bit's the, that's the privilege. That's the, that's the ladder from Metal Gear Solid 3 where you've just got the theme tune playing as you're climbing yeah. the ladder, endless ladder. Um, like, you've, that's the privilege as a designer because you've got the undivided attention of the player as they swim down. So that's where the thinking came in in terms of let's curate the swim down in terms of where we put the coral in the air pocket so we can control how you come down. So we can just frame this beautiful reveal of the Black Pearl. You know, that iconic ship that, you know, everyone loves from the movies. It's just about giving this immersive opening with the Siren Queen kind of singing to you, luring you down, and then having this awesome reveal of, of the world for the first time with the Black Pearl sitting there. It was just about, yeah, everything was about curating and crafting that moment. Um, yeah. But in a way that hopefully feels natural and it doesn't feel like we're, we're not taking control, we're just leading you down there, giving you this immersive experience. So that, that bit was, spent a lot of time trying to get that right in terms of the choice of music, the lighting, um and 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 as you say mike it's the it's the first time it, any player's ever been to this underwater world and so the tale needed to serve as an introduction to the sirens and what they're all about and the idea of them they've built this civilization out of all the shipwrecks in, in a way trying to make that connection to all the players shipwrecks that have sunk down all the failures of pirates they've built this civilization out of them and 
they're going to do the same to the Black Pearl, and you're there to stop them and save the crew. It just it was the right kind of focus for the tale, sure. Yeah. And just just on that, the masterpiece I think of, of all of that actually that tale is that there are so many Easter eggs and things to discover for our existing community and things nods to stuff that already exists in the game uh, like the chest that cries and um, fills your boat with water and stuff and like how like I won't spoil it for those that haven't kind of discovered it as part of this but but how all of this weaves into our existing lore and, and takes that forward while also using kind of the the guest characters and like you know the the, the black pearl and stuff like how that all weaves together it's just like I think that's what you've always had in mind, right, Mike? It's like it's always about that our world and our lore and our characters. We've got to pay kind of the dues and the respect to that and take that forward. What? But we're we're taking advantage of bringing this other world and these other characters and these other iconic things in, and just they they exist kind of on a you know like just on a level basis together. They're they're kind of peers throughout this in terms of how it all works. And so for for someone that's new to our game, it's just a great story that you're telling and you're learning the characters and the world and, and kind of stuff of Sea of Thieves if you're new to this, right? And you're seeing all of these recognizable characters from, from Pirates of the Caribbean. Whereas if you're really engaged, some of those moments throughout those those tales, like for me, at the end of Tale 3, again, I won't spoil it, but for me, that I watch that every time. Oh, you ruined this for me. No, no, but I won't, I won't say, but, like, but I get so emotional about it because of the, the, the writing and the music and everything. And it's just... But it, but, but it works perfectly from what you know of the characters that are from Pirates of the Caribbean, but it works perfectly as well for the history that we've built up over the last few years. And so it's 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 just it's so beautifully crafted. And um, and I'm allowed to say that because I didn't craft it. So, um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but it is. It's like and I think when we were watching and building and playing that together as devs, like we were having those emotions, I think, of like, oh wow, we've built this game, we've built this world, we've built these characters, we've come on this journey, and we're seeing kind of that come to fruition with these uh, these characters from this other beloved world that we recognise coming in and talking to the characters we've built. But I think for our community, they have the same emotion and same feeling because they've been on that journey too, right? They've seen the game be built, they've seen the world and lore and and stories that that we've been told. They've come on that journey. They feel as close, if not closer, to to those characters and and that world that, than we do, and so. It's, you know, it's a special moment for, for us as developers, but also I think for our community, because we're just basically the same, right? We just happen to be making it, but we still play it and, and we, we love the, love it for the same reasons. I think that approach of equal, well, recognizing straight from the start that we needed to be equal creative partners with Disney. We have their world, they have their world, and they need to come together harmoniously, not about one overwriting the other. You know, so that idea that, We've always wanted it. For example, we're talking about Tal too. We always wanted to introduce sirens. Perfect for our world. You know, you know this legend of luring sailors down to the depths. Perfect enemy, fantastical creature to put in our world. But like, why? Why do they hate pirates? It's, it's because they used to be human themselves, and now they they hate pirates because they they long for who they used to be, and that's the sorrow. And then you've got that's the way Davy Jones feels. That's why they would ally. That's the narrative driver for the story, that he's come to our world and he's allied with the sirens, awoken them, and players discover them. And all these opportunities emerge to thread the elements of the worlds together in a complementary way. And the moment Jack, um, Jack, Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack Sparrow there, the moment uh, Joe's talking <laughs> about, is that was based on the idea of Jack shouldn't be the pantomime version of Jack. Jack is Jack Sparrow. He should come to our world and go on his own journey. So the idea that there is a pirate world like Sea of Thieves where the pirate life could live forever, Jack would want to be in that world. Like that would be like a legendary pirate world that he would love to find the map to to go and find. 
So the idea that you know, Jack discovers why the Sea of Thieves is special, the midpoint in their story, and then decides he wants to ally up with you to go save the Sea of Thieves together because you get to appreciate the Sea of Thieves through his eyes and the characters that you meet along the way. Oh, you guys found a perfect blend of that. I'm doing my best not to spoil it all because I want to <laughs> gush about all of that, right? And it's just so much fun to see that blend in to be playing with Miles and his friends and like to be playing, it's like, oh, you recognize that from the Sea of Thieves lore? Do you recognize this from that tall tale? And look at the blend of now Davy Jones and Captain Jack are all in this. And you can feel that as you progress through. And you guys did such a great job of capturing that moment. And it was a ton of fun. What was it like adding in Jack? You talked about on the fun Sunday showcase of bringing in the stunt double and hanging out with Captain Jack Sparrow at the office. and recreating some of these scenes what was that like adding jack and of course david jones and everybody else of the cast of characters into the game and how did you find that magic creating them in your world yeah that that was amazing that goes back to the you know having a purpose while we're all living through the pandemic that, that those moments with um simon newton stunt double on the on the on the fourth movie we we kind of found him and reached out to him and he came to the studio and a few of us you know did some social distance filming outside to to get down the Jack mannerisms. But the first day Simon came to the studio, he arrived early because he wanted to get into the full costume and do the makeup and get the scars in the right place. And he, his knowledge is, I thought my knowledge was encyclopedic, but he everything from the rings being screened perfect, the belt buckles. And it's like, well, which belt do you want? Movie one belt, movie two belt, or movie three belt? Which belt do you want? Like that level of a suitcase full of costumes. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> what do you want? What do you think? What do you recommend? <laughs> the first moment, like walking into walking into this room, and he just he was sat there with a the mirror, and he was getting oh that's that's a scar. So I was like, which which are we after the fifth movie? I was like, yes, it's an original story after the fifth movie. So he's getting the scar on that he has in the fifth movie, and he was just about to put on the wig, and he did that as I on that first day of filming, and it's it's ever so weird. It sounds so silly, but it was like almost like a starstruck moment of it. It was so much like captain jack and you know filming all the animations reference for him but part of that is you know quite cool scenes to film because they're they're major moments from the tales but there's also a lot of what a lot of people would consider quite mundane stuff like we just want to capture some animation idols so you just need to stand there for when you're not doing anything and in game you're basically just idling uh breathing looking around maybe scratch itching your head and those moments where He's just breathing. You're, like, you're breathing like Jack Sparrow. The way you move your eyes is like Jack Sparrow. It was just uncanny. And it, it was those quieter moments. First couple of times we filmed him, I was like, we're, this is, we're doing the right thing here. This is what's going to make it feel authentic. He's not do, when he's not putting on the show, he's still going to feel like Jack Sparrow. And that's the key. Um, so, yeah, that was, it was just, just try, trying, to, trying to bring him to life in the Sea of Thieves and it truly feel like that beloved character and not be not be an imposter. That was the idea. <laughs> you guys nailed it. Congratulations. Yep. You really nailed it. And it's a ton of fun. I I'm doing my best once again, not to spoil anything, but you found such a great blend again of gameplay. And then this other feel of like, I'm at a show or I'm on this ride and I'm looking all around these different set pieces at Jack and what's happening on the screen. And, Where's the action? Where should I be focused on? But also where are the secrets, right? Like I said, I brought mm -hmm. up Miles before and 
you guys have done such a fun job at not only giving us the fun gameplay and being rewarded for that, but also if you want to dive deeper, you can find all these secrets during the Tall Tales and you can get further rewards for that, right? I thought that was a really cool idea that we talked about last night of, oh, if we 100% this Tall Tale, you get this. If you 100% all five Tall Tales, you get this. And it's like, man, now I want to go back and play some more. And I'm so excited that I get to replay with Greg and even more friends. And that was a really cool moment for me was, Tall Tale 3 and 4 of just looking around and seeing the action going on and feeling like, oh, I'm just at a show now is what this feels like. is really, really cool, you guys. I want to bring up two final questions because I know we all got to get going here. So I want to bring up the first one that really hit near and dear to my heart after I finished the Tall Tales and how much fun I had. And Greg hit it so well, that whimsical feeling. And on the Sunday Showcase, you brought on different members of the team and asked them what did it feel like to work on this in one word and the team members brought up incredible magical epic enchanting but the two words that really stood out to me was proud and rare right and it felt so good it gives me goosebumps just saying that now of like that proud feeling that you all created this in a world unlike we were ever ready for and accustomed to and you created something so special with a huge ip and probably a lot of stress and challenge working with Disney and creating something so special for your game. And then that feeling of this feels like a rare game. This is rare encapsulated everything we know of from the studio and the lineage. And you all captured that. What do those two words stand out to you as? Uh, the, uh, I know Joe said it earlier that the, the team obviously can't, can't overstate it enough how incredible they've been throughout this process. And, and even, even back you know, in around January 2020, before we entered production, I would always end the pitch, um, obviously doing the kind of the show around the team and taking it around and, and trying to get people inspired for what we were going to go do. And I'd always end the pitch with like the wrap up to go, just, just be proud. Be proud that we've created a game where something like this is even possible. We haven't even built it yet, but be proud that this had opened up a conversation with a company like Disney that are fans of Sea of Thieves and they see what's special about it. It's resonated with them. And, you know, we've got this incredible opportunity. And the t the, in so many ways, the, the team have seen this as, for, for many of us, it's the chance of a lifetime. Like, it really is in terms of the, the connection that people have for Disney for, for so many reasons, whether that's, you know, whether they've grown up with it or it's something they've rediscovered in later life or they've been to the parks. It means so much to so many people. Um, but it's still, you know, Sea of Thieves and the work that the team has done, you know, you know the spirit of Rare, you know, capturing that whimsical pirate world and trying to create a new gameplay experience. That's what's made all of this possible. Um, so, yeah, I hope we never lose sight of that. Yeah. And it's hard not to get emotional, isn't it, I think, um, uh, around this, but the i think the hardest thing actually for, for this is that because we're still in a, like we're still you know we're living through the pandemic right and sure. the the most natural thing for to celebrate this as a team is for everybody to get together i don't know if you've seen rare's kind of campus and studio but we've got like a hundred acre place in the middle of the kind of english countryside um with all of this amazing outdoor space and and you know so often through the summer we'll have barbecues or when we, or we would have like the summer fate when everybody comes in we get kind of food trucks and we get kind of animals and stuff in and like from the local zoo and stuff it's great but um 
and we, you know, we get people in there with their families and we get to celebrate together and, and, um, and we do that, you know, we did it at launch, we did it there and, and it's something that we can't do at the moment. And we've, you know, we've celebrated with all hands calls. We've celebrated with emails, with kind of all the latest kind of sentiment and, and excitement and things. But but we still like it. Still feels like there's something missing there that we can't get together as a team and as as, as a studio, right? And of course, we're lucky as as anything to be able to have continued to work during the last year in this time and to to be able to work on something like this. But um, but you know that that thing is the thing I'm missing the the, the most. And I think as the the UK opens up a bit more. We're, we're looking at when's the first date we can do something like that together. Because I just that buzz and excitement you see of everyone like um, um, around something like this, right? You know, we just haven't been able to do that with the team because and and they've they've done an an incredible job. And we're so like like you say, we're so proud of them and so proud that this is something that's part of Rare's very long and storied history, right? That this is um this is a big a big part of it now. Um, but so yeah, so I think. I don't know. I'm just rambling on nonsense now. But, um, <laughs> no, you uh, nailed it. That's a yeah, that's a very but, emotional yeah. moment. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is right. And um, but as we look to the future too, I think, and this is the again the way that Mike and I are wired now. It's like, okay, cool. What's next? Like, what's yep. the next big yeah. amazing thing we're going to go do with this world and with with Sea of Thieves, right? And um, there's so many ideas we have, and it's almost the, the tyranny of choice. I think is like there's so many different things we could go do now, and it's like figuring out what's the best thing, what's the thing that's going to blow people away next, and 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 stuff. And so you know, I I know what's coming in the next sort of six to nine months. I know we've got that kind of planned out, but then we've got all of these other things we can go do beyond that. And so, um, well, feel free to tell us six to nine months what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's season four, uh, season five. No. Um, there you go. But, yeah, yeah. So, but but. Yeah, like it's 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 kind of it's an, it's a huge moment in the the sea of thieves journey but the sea of thieves journey is still hopefully right near the start right honestly like it's like you know we're over three years in but we haven't even scratched the surface of where we can take this i think um so exciting. it's very very exciting that's really so this, great you guys well so there's still nothing like it as well obviously we're going to say that but in terms of the experiences it can give you and you know Having, having it positive received is one thing, but th when people reach out to say, you know, I've met a friend through Sea of Thieves, like it's allowed us to connect through the pandemic. You know, we love to just spend time together in this world. They're, they're the player stories that genuinely stick with you in terms of what, what we're doing, you know, creating a game. It is important and games can be more than just a game. You know, they can bring people together and... That when you hear people talk about CFEs that way, that is what steals you to this game. This game deserves to live forever. This game deserves to go on, and we want to keep expanding it and giving people new experiences. So that's yeah, that's all part of it, really. That's awesome, you guys. I was going to ask you what's next, but it looks like you have some fun <laughs> stuff for us planned for the future. So we might as well set sail to the horizon and uh, look forward to the future with you and the team so thank you both for joining myself and greg and thank you for what you and your team have created and put out to the world i know i felt it finishing it and i'm so excited to get back for more with greg and experience that swag of sea of thieves and have that moment <laughs> together and so thank you so much for joining us on the kind of funny x cast joe and mike you two are incredible this was a ton of fun thanks for sharing the stories and the laughter with us and congratulations to you and your team we really hope that you enjoyed the week Enjoy the moment and enjoy the future of everything that's to become. Thanks for joining us. And that will wrap up our fun interview with the Sea of Thieves team. We'll see you soon on the Kind of Funny X-Cast.
All right, guys and gals, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that Sea of Thieves interview. I know myself and Greg had a ton of fun with Joe and Mike, and I know it was really, really cool to talk about the Pirates Life update. So I hope you check it out this weekend. Gary, let's get the heck out of here. So here's some things that I want all the Xbox gamers to keep a heads up on. Of course, if you thought Xbox Game Pass was done for the month of June after the big update in the beginning of the month, and of course, the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase, you were wrong because we got more games coming your way to the Xbox Game Pass service coming soon. Worms Rumble on cloud, console, and PC available right now. This is actually a really fun entry into the Worms franchise that I really, really love. They added a weird battle royale that you can do solo duos or trios. And it's pretty fun to see the Worms really fast-paced moving all around these different levels that they designed. It's a good time. Check that one out. You have Iron Harvest coming to PC on June 24th. You have Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered console and PC thanks to EA Play on June 24th. Gary, that's a game I'd love to get back into because I love those Need for Speed games. I actually, I, I actually paid cash money for that when it first came out because I didn't want to. I didn't want to wait for the for the Game Pass version. Um, yeah, it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, but maybe I should, it, 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 again, I've, I've mostly been playing that solo. If Mike, if you want to jump in when it drops on Game Pass, I will happily fire it back up and play online with you. Because th again, those are the kind of games that are way, way better when you're playing online with friends. You got a deal. Well, as of this recording, it is out now because it will be June 26th when this does release. You have Proteos Game Preview on PC. This is an ID at Xbox game title released now. After that, you have Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts coming to cloud on July, 4, July 1st. Bug Fables, the Everlasting Sapling, cloud console and PC, ID at Xbox title coming to July 1st. Gang Beasts coming cloud console and PC, an ID at Xbox title coming July 1st. Gary, here's one. After our E3 and we saw Party Animals, Gang Beasts coming to the, coming to the Game Pass on all of the ecosystem. That's something special because I really love Gang Beasts. Really pumped up about Party Animals. Sad to see it be pushed to 2022, but uh, at least we'll get some Gang Beasts to hold us over. Have you ever played that one? Uh, I haven't played Gang Beasts, but I did play Party Animals recently. My kids actually really interested in it because you know the whole the idea of like Fall Guys with ragdoll physics seems like a lot of fun. I know you've enjoyed playing it. The other one I want to point out to you, it's already available uh, for free. I don't know if it's Game Pass, but it's like it's it's in like a free um, alpha phase right now. Is um, I think it's called Super Animal Royale or something oh, like that. Have you, yep, have you played it yet? Oh my god, it's fun. Hours of that. It's so hours, fun. Gary. It is a fun time, and you do not have to be super skilled at that at all to have a good time because you and your friends can jump in and learn this little top-down twin-stick shooter battle royale with super cute animals that the best part, Gary, I don't know how much you've played, but every single time you play the game, you get animal DNA. For different cute animals so they might be a different breed of an animal or a different right. subsect of that animal so there's dogs and cats and each one has different kind of variations you can dress up as love that game to death highly encourage everybody to check it I th out I, th I, th I think it's a lot of fun and i um i understand why it's under a lot of people's radar right now because it's just you, you have to like kind of dig around the xbox ui to even find it and it's in some kind of alpha beta whatever right now it's not you know like in like full release but i have a feeling it could be a game that really blows up when it does go into full release the other one i'm really interested in trying by the way just kind of throwing out games that i tried a little bit of this past week on pc not sure if it's coming to xbox but i imagine it will be is uh phantom abyss i don't know if you tried that out but that's also a lot of fun yeah, uh, I you know, played it's kind of like a Legends of the Hidden Temple yeah. kind of vibe, but uh, 
really, really fun. There's, God, there's so many games coming out. Like, there's not enough hours in the day. That's the there, problem. There never is, Gary. And yeah, Phantom Abyss is a must check out. Indiana Jones meets Fall Guys meets Ultimate Obstacle Course Fun. I love it, Gary. Uh, and our final Game Pass edition is Limbo, cloud console and oh, PC so coming July 1st. Now, Gary, I never played Limbo. I played Inside. Should I check out Limbo? Inside is one of Inside's one of my favorite games of the past 10 years. I absolutely loved it. I think it's a it's a masterpiece and it's one of the reasons why I am so interested in I think it was is it called Somerville? Is the is the yes. is the new one that they just showed during E3 where mm -hmm. some of the devs from that team are working on it. It has a very similar vibe to it. No, if if you liked it, I, I think it's fair to say if you liked Inside, you'll like Limbo. Not 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 exactly the same, but very similar vibe. Very similar aesthetic. It's got that kind of monochromatic look. It's very, you know, kind of scary and gory and has that kind of uh, eldritch kind of vibe to it. I, th I think you would enjoy it. And again, Game Pass, right? What do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? Gary Witta, we got more cloud-enabled games with Xbox Touch Controls coming your way. Starting right now, you have eight new titles being updated with Touch Controls. Dirt 5, Double Kick Heroes, East Shade, Empire of Sin, Haven, Octopath Traveler, Portslight 3, and your favorite, Gary, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Oh, yeah. Now, Gary, I'm going to tell you, I really loved Yakuza, and I found that I wasn't streaming it that much where I'm mainly playing my games because I was looking for that multiplayer game. And so when I would go to bed, I would play it over in the bedroom on the Series S. The issue is, is my eyesight is really bad, so I can't actually read any of the text from the bed to the TV across the room. And so I think this makes the perfect situation for me to continue Yakuza Like a Dragon, where I'm going to play SportsCenter on the TV, but then on my phone in bed, I'm going to play the rest of the way through that story, which I'm really excited yeah, about. Yeah, and the, the, the touch controls thing is interesting. I, to be quite honest with you, I'm a little bit skeptical about touch controls. I, I don't Really? Think, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of them. I, I, I don't think they can replace good old-fashioned tactile clicky buttons. I was going to say that mm -hmm. if you want to play Yakuza, you know, bust out your Razor Kishi or whatever and, you know, play it. By all means, play it in bed, but, like, play it with real buttons. But the nice thing about Yakuza, unlike the, all the previous Yakuza games before it, it's not a Twitch game. It's not a brawler, right? It's a turn-based, you know, JRPG. So any kind of fiddliness that you might otherwise experience in terms of, like, oh, this isn't as responsive as um, playing with, you know, tactile controls... In a, in a JRPG or a game like that where, you know, it doesn't really matter, like, you know, what your Twitch speed is or how responsive the controls are, I feel like a game like that would probably map to touch controls much better. So, yeah, put it on your iPad or something or put it on your uh, whatever, you know, whatever mobile device you've got available and, get, and give it a try. I usually would be like, touch controls are not interested, but I feel like a game like that, a little bit more mappable without the, without the frustration I usually associate with missing the, the, the physical buttons. Now, leaving the service on June 30th, that's the end of the month. Remember, these titles will be leaving, but you as an Xbox Game Pass member will get a 20% discount if you would like to buy it and add it to your library. Battle Chasers, Night War, Marvels vs. Capcom Infinite, Mistover, Monster Hunter World, that's a big one there, don't miss out on playing that game, Out of the Park Baseball 21, Outer Wilds, another great game, Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur 6 and The Messenger are all leaving the service on June 30th, so make sure to take advantage of that. Your Xbox free-to-play days, play like a boss as an Extraordinary Heroes or as a fellow Rat Smasher, Saints Row 4 re-elected, 
Overwatch Origins Edition and Warhammer Vermintide 2 are all available to play throughout the weekend. And hey, Halo fans like me, you got a brand new big time blog post with the Inside Infinite team over on the Halo Waypoint right now for the month of June. They're talking with the live service team and they're talking with the Waypoint team all about that live service from day one and onward and how they're going to keep you engaged and drive the best value for you, the players. And they're going to talk about that Waypoint app slash website and how they're elevating that for the next generation of play. And with all of that, Gary, that was one rocking episode. It was nice to sit down with you one-on-one, -on -one, our good friend Paris Lilly out on vacation this week. We had a great interview with the Sea of Thieves team, but Gary, where can everybody find you? What are you going to be playing? What are you going to be doing this week? Well, I was going to say, it was, it was it was really, really fun to get back into the groove of playing um, video games we did this past week with the you know squad stream on, on, our, on our Twitch channels. I think we're going to keep the energy going. Um, look out for me on Twitch uh, and also on Twitter and uh, YouTube. My the, the name is the same across all three. It's just Gary Witter, G-A-R-Y-W-H-I. TTA, but yeah, come check me out on Twitch. I think there's going to be some Mario Golf happening. I think we, yeah, we're talking about Sea of Thieves. Let's uh, let's keep the momentum going for sure. Keep the gaming with friends going on. On behalf of myself, Gary Witta, and our good friend Roger running the ones and twos and producing the show today. Thank you all so much for tuning in for another episode of the Kind of Funny X Cast. We'll see you next week and have fun out there, gamers. Peace. Let's talk to the chat right now, Gary Witta. We got ten minutes on the clock or so. Let's hang out. Let's chat it up. Of course, the biggest news of the week, Gary, with a Fast and the Furious 9 in the kind of funny world. Are you into this or are you not into it? I've not seen all of the Fast and the Furious movies. I've seen most of them. I okay. think the last okay. two or three I still need to catch up on, but I, I enjoy them. For me, they are kind of like, you know, the new Bond movie. Like the, the, the Bond is still a thing, right? But Bond has become a bit more serious and gritty uh, in the Daniel Craig era. But like for me, the Fast and Furious movies are almost movies that i grew up on where it's just like you know beautiful locations beautiful people incredible cars and gadgets ridiculous stunts over the top storylines that i feel like the fast and the furious movies have become kind of the modern day inheritor to the kind of the james bond mantle when you're looking for that kind of over the top entertainment so i don't know how much further they can keep pushing it right because the the, the, the i don't know what they're doing with fast nine i heard they go into outer space maybe there's rumors of a jurassic park crossover down the road oh, that'd be so cool because you know the I, I think this is kind of the fun of it right they make so much money with these movies that they have a license to kind of do whatever they want and the fast and the furious brand has kind of become like how much more can we keep up in the ante, you know, time after time after time? And they somehow keep finding ways to do it. And I do think they are going to go into increasingly outlandish territory, whether it's dinosaurs, whether it's space aliens, whether it's time travel, who the fuck knows? The point is, I, I think that the, the, we're getting to a point now where the Fast and the Furious movies are, are, are moving into the, into, the, into the era of the truly ridiculous and that I, i'm down for that I, I want to see how silly these movies can really become i'm down for that gary i love when they get all crazy and wild and i love seeing that cast it's pretty wild to think man roger you can correct me i'm sure since you probably know because you're hip with it you're a young kid <laughs> this these movies got to be over a decade plus right i was probably a young teen when the first one came out i feel like and it's just wild to see this cast yeah. grow up the and first one came out in that I love. 2001 2001 so, so 20 11 years, years so, old yeah that's wild yeah fast and the furious is as old as halo mike Jesus. oh my god that oh my god gary get <laughs> out of here now that's a good tweet you should put out there for people i might steal that tweet from you i love it <laughs>
Wow, 20 years, Gary. That's unbelievable to think of. Can you tell me another franchise like that of recent, not like the James Bonds or anything that has gone on for that long, like Fast and the Furious? Is there anything like of recent times like that? I mean, on a, on a, on a lower level, you think of like Halloween and you know, kind of horror movies, like Freddy okay. and Jason, okay. those kind of movies uh -huh. that just keep, they, they, they just keep rolling them out. You know, the, what are they up to? Like six or seven Purge movies now. Like they do, they're, they're up, <laughs> but, but like at the highest level, at the highest level, I mean, if you think about it, you know, in terms of like the saga films, you know, they ended up with nine Star Wars uh, saga films, but that took them more than 40 years to make that many movies, you know, because there were so many breaks in between. Fast and Furious got to nine movies in half that time. Yeah. Uh, and there's, and there's, and there's no, and there's no sign of it um, stopping. I think there's something like, I think there's like 20 something Bond movies, but again, they've been around since the 1960s. So in terms of wow. a franchise that has, remained at the top of the box office the the only the only other the only other thing i can think of is the mcu where they where they actually oh, made like 20 movies in even in less decade. time yeah yeah and you know dave, so ma ma the, the mcu is the is the only kind of modern equivalent i can think of dave goldstein in the chat says mission impossible yeah which is true dave, that's yeah mission I impossible what because they don't number them what are they up to there like eight on those now yeah i like think that? they're the next one's gonna be eight if i'm not really mistaken. okay yeah. so they're they're crushing that but that was early what 90s right is when they came out with the first one i believe the so. first one was the 90s and they yeah and they went through a whole and there was some breaks in between but now they're actually making them on a pretty because they've settled into like one writer director who basically does them all mm. and they're bashing them out on a, on a pretty regular basis. I think those are fun, you know, and then Kyle, I also want to shout out, shout out to my guy, Kyle. He put Harry Potter's in there, which is a good call. But when we think of Iowa interactive making the James Bond games, Gary, do you think that mission impossible, which hold the same weight as James Bond, the name, like, would we have gotten as hype if they were like, we're going to make a mission impossible game or do you think that James Bond is the kind of apex of all of that? For me, Bond is more meaningful, but I'm 48 years old, okay. right? So I grew up yeah. with the James Bond movies. I think if you ask someone half my age, you might get a very different answer. No, I, I, um, I, I disagree. No, for me, like, I'm, uh, I'm pretty young, but I never Bond really... Bond Yeah, Bond is still the one. I've never seen a Bond movie. <laughs> Don't really, I've never <laughs> seen them, but I... I oh, still you gotta like, watch you know, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. You've never seen a Bond movie? No, not full way through. I've seen, like, maybe, like, a few minutes of them. Yeah. But are you saying that you feel like the Bond name is still meaningful yeah. to you? Yeah, for sure. Because if, if you said Mission Impossible, I don't think I would be as excited. I'm very excited for an IO Interactive uh, James Bond game. For sure. So what? So what? So given that you've noticed, this is really genuinely interesting to me. So you're yeah. a younger person. You didn't grow up with the Bond movies. Never actually seen one, but it's permeated the pop culture consciousness to such a degree that you understand. It still feels meaningful to you, even though you've never had any real direct engagement with those movies. I think yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah, it's. I think it's just like it's 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 so like effervescent. Like the idea, like like Q and like all the gadgets and everything. Like it's such a blank slate. I feel like for IO interactive to go into. And I just don't feel like you have that with mission impossible. I mean, you have like the masks and everything like that, but this is just so iconic that it just, it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. It's very, very hard to create something that can really, really stand the test of time. Mike, you and I in Paris have talked on the show before about even like halo now for young kids coming up kind of feels like, um you know the game that your dad played you know i actually yeah. asked someone about this the other day i was talking to um uh, i was talking to a friend he had his, he brought his teenage kid over uh you know for coffee and i said and he plays video games i was like okay i want to ask you about this because i was talking about this on my on my podcast with my friends halo 
is that cool or is that is that like shit that like old people play and he goes it's shit that old people play i'm like wow, wow. it's like yeah. man so i actually think xbox might actually have a little bit of a mountain to climb in terms of convincing the next generation of you know millennial and gen z gamers that halo is still you know relevant and cool but the but that's the that's the interesting difference between something like bond which is way way older than halo and which you could argue Again, I, I guess I was wrong based on what Roger said, but I instantly thought like most young people would think that Bond is like some old fashioned shit, but maybe Bond has transcended where it's just like timelessly cool. Like that, that's, that's the most valuable yeah. commodity that you can have is that if you create something that is just like forever cool, like Bond will never not be cool. Again, I, I personally think that like Bond will always be cool. But Always again, I, I recognize that I'm older to hear someone like Roger, who is quite a bit younger. And again, he's never even seen a movie, but understands the coolness of Bond. That's really <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that one liner is iconic, right? James, James Bond or whatever. Bond, yep, James yep, Bond. Yep, yep, yep. Just so iconic. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm surprised that Roger hasn't seen one, but I think he is forever cool and he will always be Aww. a staple in pop culture no matter what so oh, i thought you were talking about me. that's really cool yeah i'm talking about you <laughs> right? uh, like oh wow want to give some big love to all of our patreon subscribers out there and supporters that have joined us for another week of the kind of funny x cast i see you each and every week i always have the chat up shout out to kitty hawk kyle ps we john b is in the chat uh, xbox guy uh kohanda fukanda thank you so much for all of the love uh, Yosemite Blam, David, thank you guys for tuning in and hanging out. Truly and honestly, it is really, really cool to have you guys watching the show live, engaging with us. And I do want to say, yes, we have recorded the interview with the Rare Devs. Of course, they are out in the UK, so we had to wake up mega early to go chat with them. We didn't want to keep them up until midnight plus their time to do this right here. But uh, me and Greg had a really good conversation. I really, I want you to go check that out. It was 50 minutes of fun great stories and really really cool stuff so go check that out make sure you catch that because you'll love that and uh man keep an eye out me gary and uh greg will definitely play some sea of thieves maybe even kevin will join us who knows rogers i want to play mario golf and i want to play sea and thieves let's make them both happen. mario golf we're gonna make that happen so keep an eye on our twitch channels continue to uh engage with us on social media let us know how your weekend was stop by the twitch channel and hang out but thank you to hello daydream Thank you to everyone for tuning in and uh, let's go head off into the weekend. It's been a long week and I got to go look at a fast nine movie time. Cause I think I'm going to go see it <laughs> right away. I'll catch y'all next week. Thanks for hanging out with us.